Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in on this Sunday evening to Hoopsville. I am your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting from the WBCA NABC studios. We cover nothing but Division Three basketball here, folks, and we hope you will enjoy the next uh, two hours as we certainly dive in deep, as it were, on the show to talk about lots of things in Division Three, including what has been continues to be a wild and wacky uh, season in Division Three. If you're a top twenty-five team, it pretty much means you are um, you're, you better be ready to play at any given moment. Top Five is the only thing in Division Three that didn't lose this week. Um, well, I'll see your women top six. Yes, there's others, but you don't understand the grand scheme of that. It has been another wild and wacky set, and and it's it's fun this way. It means that we don't have to. Well, unfortunately, we can't ignore games. If we could ignore games, that'd be a little bit better. Because, geez, wouldn't that be nice? It'd be a lot easier for some of us to be able to just you know go and. Uh, Ignore a game, ignore a day, figure it out. There's no reason to talk. We don't have to worry about it. We're all good to go. Yeah, completely wrong on that, aren't we? I've uh, tried to do it a few times this season, only because it, I, I have other things I got to do or other things I want to do or try and take some time. And then I sit there watching going, oh, I should have tuned in. Or, all right, I'm going to scrap that plan and, and I guess we'll tune in now. Or whatever the case may be, it has been it's been fun, but it's also uh, you just don't know on any given night nowadays. It seems like we could practically see um, an upset or a great game or a surprising outcome or whatever the case may be. You just never know sometimes, and that's the fun of it too. Don't get me wrong; that's the fun of it. And with men's basketball, we've been dealing with it for a little bit. Now with women's basketball, we're seeing it far more. Well, that's interesting. Sorry, just noticing uh, we don't seem to be streaming on Facebook. We're going to have to double check that. Let's see what's going on. Oh, we're disconnected. There we go. Well, if you're watching us on YouTube, congratulations. If uh, you're tuned in the podcast, you don't know the difference. And those of you on Periscope and on Facebook, welcome into Hoopsville. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate you taking the time and hope you'll enjoy the show here on this evening. Just talking about the parody in Division Three basketball. Men, we've been dealing with it for a while. Women, certainly it's it's not new necessarily. Um, well, it is kind of new now that I think about it. It's more new on the women's side than it is on the men's side. It allows for more excitement. It allows for more to talk about. It allows for more games to be uh, to be cared for, as it were. We we can't ignore as many programs, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just like okay, that game, yeah, I don't need to pay attention to that, or that game against a ranked team, I don't need to pay attention to that. It's bound to be a certain result, and that's never the case. And as as fans of Division Three, as those who promote Division Three. I, I won't complain about that ever, any and ever will I do that because it's going to keep us kind of on our toes. Um, it just, <laughs> it's just a matter of, of, of being able to withstand it because here's the other thing. Some fans are, and, and, and players and stuff are getting a little, um, that's the word I'm looking for, um, um, edgy, edgy this year. Uh, we talked about, the Whitworth-Whitman game back on Thursday, what I didn't talk about was how uh, just some, well, I guess I talked a little bit about you know, kind of 
my commentary about the games going on and, and how there was feedback from that. I, I personally loved it. Normally we don't get any feedback. But then Ryan Scott, we'll have him on later in the show, had some feedback to, to comments he made. Um, actually, he didn't even make a comment. He simply pointed out what was true, and that was that Augustana was in a battle with Carthage. And, hey, heads up, you know, that, that, could, go the, that could go as an upset. Uh, apparently some didn't like that. Hey, welcome to welcome to coverage. Uh, if you if you can't handle it, I can't help you. Uh, we can't help you. Um, that's par for the course as being a ranked team. If you are losing late in the game, no matter when late in the game, second half and beyond, you know, start of the second half and beyond, uh, we're gonna tweet upset alert. It's not the first time Augustana has had that tweet labeled on them in a game they ended up winning. It's not a prediction. It's not um, saying it's going to happen. It's, it's not a forecast. It's not anything other than, hey, heads up. This game could go the other direction. The team we think should win might not. That's all it means. People got to relax a little bit. I am uh, somewhat surprised at the lack of rela relaxation. I had a crazy day on Saturday. Uh, I went and saw Swarthmore play McDaniel. Swarthmore put a heck of a game together, even by their definitions. Really good inside-outside game. Shot extremely well from deep. They are a very good defense. McDaniel struggled to do anything on offense. And then defense, their first or second attempts or or you know they thwarted Swarthmore maybe the first or second go through their offense but it was the third fourth and fifth opportunities or in transition that they really struggled and the Garnet took advantage of going inside and then back outside really good inside outside game especially when their outside guys were hitting but outside guys were wide open for the most part now Swarthmore didn't need the three-point shooting in the second half they only hit one three but in the first half, they absolutely decimated Steve uh, McDaniel uh, to the point that McDaniel was going to its deep reserves with 16 minutes to go in the second half, maybe to find a spark. I don't think they were throwing up the white flag at that point in time, but they definitely needed to find something that would work in their advantage or in their way or whatever the case may be. Again, they were struggling mightily. And... I was impressed. Um, Cam Wiley, who I've always said is a good player, played better on defense than I've seen him in a while. Um, he also was a little more contained on offense, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean in the sense that he stayed within the offensive um, game plan to some degree. Only once or twice did I see him put up a, a quick shot. The rest of the time, even when the clock shot clock was winding down, he was looking for other options. I was really impressed. And their inside-outside game is ridiculous. Well, their inside game is ridiculous. They're 15th in the country in blocks. They're 5th in the country in three-point defense. They're, I think, top 20 in, in scoring defense. And it's the inside play. They, they dominate on the boards. Those big guys can move. And that's going to make Swath more dangerous. I think they're a, I think they're a better team now than they've been the last couple of the years. And that says something because I thought going into this year they weren't going to be as good, but they're clearly better. 
And I've got them, I don't remember where I have them, somewhere around 20. I, I put them back in the top 25 this week after having them out due to those back-to-back losses that they suffered in part and because nothing else was blowing me away. But I'm, I'm definitely going to move them up. They're a better team than I've been giving them credit for. And again, by their own admission, I saw a really good team yesterday. I saw them really playing well, which, which you know, obviously everybody has a really good night. Um, but that kind of night will get them far. And if they can continue to do that, it'll get them far. Um, again, pretty impressed. Uh, I then followed that up by heading down to Trinity University in D.C. First time I've ever been to the Trinity Center. And uh, was not for a D3 game. I ended up going down for some high school action. Saw some D3 coaches in attendance. Um, I didn't see some very good basketball, <laughs> to be blunt. And some of those playing were going to D1 or will be going to D1. I saw two guys in particular who are twin brothers, both headed to Maryland. Well, good luck, Maryland. You've got guys, one of them, Beginning of the second half, the team is up by 20-plus, 25 maybe. And he didn't like something. And I, I I have never seen this in my life in a basketball game, but he essentially quit. And they're winning. And he didn't like something about something on the offensive end. He goes down to the defensive end, kind of looking over his shoulder, clearing clearly at the bench. I don't know if he was expecting to be subbed because of whatever had happened on the offensive end or what was going on. But he was one of the last ones down. Uh, the shot doesn't work out for the opponent. He gets the rebound, and he literally goes to roll the ball to his teammate in transition. I mean, just let it roll right out of his hand. And if the opponent was anywhere nearby, it's an easy steal in a basket. He then proceeds to walk down to the other end of the court and go stand near his bench. There's no whistle, but go stands near his bench and doesn't get involved in the offense, is talking to people on the bench. His team doesn't score. They go back down and transition again. He literally starts walking, gets about 10 feet from where he had been when the ball starts coming the other direction, so he just casually turns around and walks back towards the corner of the bench, the corner of the court by the bench. And finally, a whistle is called on that offensive possession, and he starts to walk off the court before his sub is even called in. He then proceeds, this is the beginning of the third quarter, he proceeds to go sit at the end of the bench, sit back, barely pay attention to the game. His team that was leading by about 25 lost the lead. Not because of him. There were three guys on that team who were probably going D1, minimum. And actually, there are three guys minimum going D1 next year. There's probably more going D1. They had to talk. He had to get put between the coaches and psyched back in, I assume. They had to get talked to and brought back into the game late because they were about to lose and had blown a 25-point lead. I was, And his twin brother wasn't much better. At least he stayed in the game. And then the other guy, that this the one that is not necessarily that I can tell, committed to a D1 program but will probably go just the way he plays or at least everyone looks at wasn't much better men- mentally. I, I, and in the previous game, I saw a couple of guys going D1. 
nothing about them impressed me. And, and, and yes, I don't watch a lot of guys and watch D1, but it, what, it, what it told me overall was, you know what, I'm glad I covered Division Three because most people in Division Three, even in high school, are glad to be playing the game, understand them, their circumstances, and will give 100%. This guy and his brother in particular will end up at Maryland? Good luck, Maryland. They also don't seem to shoot free throws all that well. I, I think maybe McCoddled too much. Maybe uh, not challenged enough. Oh, you'll be challenged when you hit D1. I was just blown away. Ended up calling three games there, which I wasn't expecting for a total of four and drove to and from in a winter storm. But I was just blown away. It, it, it made me appreciate Division Three more because, yes, we get attitudes once in a while, but you don't see guys necessarily quit. You certainly won't see them pull that in on a coach. And more importantly, I know a lot of D3 coaches who would see that and say, I don't want you. You don't even bother calling me. Furthermore, they, if they tried that stunt in Division Three, they'd be off the team or benched. Could you imagine Gray Giovanni allowing that kind of behavior from a player? Or Dave Hickson? Or Glenn Robinson? Oh, I don't care how tall you are. Made me appreciate Division Three a little more because those high school guys who are out there busting their gut, their the butts to try and play well and and maybe be noticed even by a D three, they're the ones who deserve more attention than those bozos who are D one commits and think it's easy. Really appreciated it far better. Hey, forgot to mention how you can interact with us. We're on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, we're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. If you got questions, fire them our way. Hey, Andrew, here's the deal, buddy. You always come on the show, and I love you. I appreciate the dedication, but I cannot talk about hope every single night. Okay. Uh, Great Lakes regions are Thursday nights. So we can certainly talk a little bit about, more about hope, but the only thing I've got to mention about hope tonight is that the women won the rivalry game against Calvin. Otherwise I don't have time tonight to talk about hope. Um, we got to go through the top 25, but the, the hope men um, aren't even receiving votes, which tells you a lot. Hope women, obviously number nine, had a good week. But I can't talk about Hope everybody. I, I appreciate you coming on. I hope you continue to come on. Just understand we can't always talk about Hope. Uh, we don't talk about every team every every show. And I can't dive into Riley Lewis or anybody else right now, all right? Um, I know he's a pretty good free throw shooter. Don't get me wrong. I understand the circumstances. He's a good guy. I just can't dive into it that often. Uh, email is at D3 or Hoopsville at D3 Hoops. By the way, we had somebody mention that, you know, maybe there was a, a glitch with that. Um, I'm not believing it is, but nonetheless. Oh, Greenville has a new logo. Thank you, BJ. Did not realize Greenville had a new logo. Let's see if we can call that up, which reminds us we should probably tell you about who's on the show, should we not? Got an interesting group tonight. Talking about the stormy weather, uh, the storm that's hitting the East Coast and still hitting the East Coast, we're going to get it through midnight a little bit. Not too much more snow, but we're, we're going to get it, and we might get one next weekend too. But storm that hitting us right now, of course, already came through the heart of the country. 
and already affected games out there and affected games here. Talk a little bit about dealing with stormy weather on top of the fact that the conference can produce stormy weather sometimes. Let's be honest. Well, but here's how we'll start things off. We'll start off with number three, Williams. They have they have set the record for the best start in program history at 15 and 0. The last time they started that well, it was 14 and 0. They went on to win a national championship in 0203, I believe was the year, or 0304. I might have that off by a year. We'll talk to Kevin App, the head coach, about starting 15 and 0. He'll probably tell you it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but also the starting in NESCAC play and much more. So that's coming up. Morgan uh, Bermelin, the senior guard from number 22 DeSales Bulldog squad, will join us to talk about her team, the fact that they are blowing the socks off of teams. Uh, it's impressive. And if, despite my tweet earlier, we'll talk about how good they are doing in the Freedom Conference. We'll uh, introduce the NABC Coaches Corner this Sunday or this evening, and Bill Raleigh, former basketball coach and Shriner Athletics Director, will join us to talk about transitioning to becoming an AD, other things that he's been involved with, his continued work with the NABC, of course, but also his work on the Rules Committee. We teased this a little bit earlier in the year, we'll, or early in the week. We'll talk about, to him about that. George Barber, aforementioned Greenville men's basketball coach, will be on. They haven't scored less than 102 points in a game this year, and, and they've lost four games. Think of that. They're averaging about 130. They're on their way to possibly breaking Redlands' scoring record. Remember, they adopted the system not too long ago. They seem to have already mastered it. We'll talk to George about now that he's been running it for a while, what do they do? What do they do differently than you might see out of Grinnell? Because remember, it's just a base that you can create from. And why, why has it worked so fast so quickly for them? And then Ryan Scott will join us. Do our top 25 double take. Uh, what is it? The, the dubious, the debatable, and the uh, there's something else. We always tease that. So if you're on Facebook, we're, we're seeing you and answer questions. We hope you will. will. If you're on um, Periscope, you can ask questions. We got our chat room running. I hope it's the right one there. We'll double check. And um, if you're on YouTube, you know how to get a hold of us. Of course, all that information scrolling at the bottom of the screen. A couple other notes. I think I skimmed past this on Thursday, but remember how we talked last Sunday about Olivet Women's Basketball putting on some crazy press down by about 30 or 40 points midway through the fourth quarter or early in the fourth quarter last week? If you missed it earlier last week, we mentioned this Thursday, their women's coach has been fired I'm not saying that putting a pressure on late in the fourth quarter against Trine, despite the reactions of people in the crowd and and the opponents and whatnot from what I was told, had to do with that decision. But I will say this, that might have been the icing on the cake or the straw that broke the camel's back. I've been really surprised at how lack of competitive Olivet women's basketball has been of late. From what I've gathered inside, so have others. Um, it resulted in a firing. I, I don't know how much we touched on it Thursday, but I, it certainly caught my attention, uh, to say the least. Um, obviously, we have a top 25 coming out. There's some other things that, that have caught our attention. We'll certainly try and, and mention. Let's quickly go through the top 25. Actually, we've run out of time. We will we'll dive into the top 25 men's and women's and results so far. We talked about how the top five survived, but, for example, on the men's side, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 
13, 14, and 19 all lost this week. Oh, I'm sorry, in 24 as well. Now, some of them, the higher-ranked teams, others not. Hamilton took their first loss to Wesleyan. We'll talk more about that. Whitworth and Whitman, obviously, that's a loss you kind of expected, though. One of them is going to have to lose. MIT lost to Emerson. We talk about the injuries, though they got past Wheaton. Stevens Point lost to Oshkosh. Again, not surprising. We talked about Marietta losing, but Rochester lost both this week to Chicago and WashU, while Emory uh, split the week. Chicago playing really well right now. Um, Wittenberg lost both this week. They lost to both Wabash and Worcester, which is only going to make me more confused as a voter. I'm buying into Wabash, but I hadn't been buying into Worcester, but now Wittenberg's lost to Worcester. Go figure. And Whitewater lost to Lacrosse, which is... Stands out and by 15. We talked about Salisbury losing, but they came back. They barely got past Southern Virginia. That might be the more telling result. And Amherst took its first conference loss, losing to Wesleyan 62-60, and then don't even get into the receiving votes category. So we'll dive into all of that more when we go along later in the show. When we come back, Williams' head coach Kevin App will join us. So we'll talk about that NESCAC and the Eves being the top team in the conference and maybe in the country. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more Hoopsville when we return. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. For those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. 
If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this uh, Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. And we'll try and answer your questions or our questions to our guests throughout the evening. We haven't really talked a ton about NESCAC here on the show this season, mainly because, well, we know we're going to talk about them eventually, so we try and pace out when we're going to have guests on. Um, trying to figure out what's going on in the NESCAC may be more confusing and, and more challenging than just getting a guest on the show. This season certainly looked good with Williams and Hamilton getting out of the gates as expected pretty solidly. I'll freely admit uh, I haven't been... Um, well, William, Williams is higher than I'm voting for, but not by much. Hamilton's about where I've been voting him, but I can't wrap my mind around why I'm voting him at that slot. Um, their loss... Uh, this week, the Wesleyan will certainly maybe have them plummet a little bit. But there's also some other good basketball going on. Amherst only took their second loss of the season this weekend, which we mentioned before the break. But what does it all mean? Well, usually we find our answers when we talk to the coaches. And joining us tonight on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Eves. It is Kevin App joining us. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, apparently our graphics not working, but we'll get it there eventually here. Um, when you look at what's going on, first off in the conference, are you surprised it's as competitive as, as it's turned out to be? Uh, no, I'm never surprised, uh, you know, with, with our conference. Um, you know, I know my mindset going into each game, uh, you know, there's a lot of great coaches, a lot of great players in our league. So uh, every night I know on, on my end, um, you know, it's stressful and knowing that we're going to have a tough matchup. So, um, so when you see some results here, you're definitely not surprised because, you know, as I honestly remind our guys, every, you know, team's working hard and, and, and trying to, trying to win. Um, and in a league where you only play every, each other once, um, you know, you're, you kind of get into playoff mode pretty early. Um, so a couple of losses early get kind of really, changes your mindset that you know you, you can't let another one if you want to just get into our league tournament sure um are you then surprised that you've gotten out to a 4-0 start it's it, you you had the trip to maine this year uh to start things off that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do uh, surprised uh i don't i don't know i mean i'm 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 happy to be 4-0 uh that's that's for <laughs> sure after a couple uh you know two two strong uh nescac weekends so yeah, that's you know the first one was a you know test just to open up NESCAC play. Uh, you know our, our schedule was unique this year in that we played Wesleyan in a non-league game uh, in December, and then they happened to be our first league game uh, after the break. You know, so to get that home weekend out of the way and get two wins, and then you know see how the team reacts the first time taking a you know three-plus-hour bus ride on Friday and then you know playing back-to-back -back games on the road was um, you know good to see. 
been able to you know kind of perform and um, you know come away with two wins. Yeah, it, it obviously the the hall can sometimes be the toughest part by New England standards, um, and so and it's exhausting certainly for the team. But it's also probably good that you got it out of the way early. Yeah, we got. It. I mean, we, we'll play Colby, and uh, you know we are. I guess fortunately, we have six of our ten league games at home this year. We had six on yeah. the road last year, so um, you know we got one of the two kind of uh, further road trips um, out of the way. We got the other one coming up, but. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, as coaches at this time and players too, I hope, are, are really just treating their one game one weekend at a time and uh, then look up and, you know, kind of say, all right, well, who's next? <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, obviously, this is a squad that is, is glad probably to have Kyle Scadlock back. It felt like last year kind of was the not, – not because Scadlock was out, but it, that you guys didn't have as much success. I mean, you made the NCAA terminal – but you could have had so much more maybe with Scadlock there, and maybe he's a little more fired up as a result coming into this season. Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, when we lost Kyle last year, we, you know, first year just uh, heartbroken for the for the young man that works, you know, putting our guys harder than anybody on the team. Uh, so for when he went down, you just felt bad for him. And, um, you know, it made our margin of error a lot smaller last year. And, and you know, we were, we were proud to win the NESCAC for the first time in a while. And, um, you know, still hosting the NCAA tournament, and you know, getting him back was you know probably our biggest um, you know I think excitement for this year, but also a question mark to see how sure. um, you know our senior group fit in uh, you know back together in terms of you know James and Bobby really stepped up last year with with Kyle out, and um, I think they've they've really kind of uh, done a good job of, of just kind of playing and not worrying about um, you know when things are happening and all kind of performing at a high level. When you take a look at what he's done for you guys this season, um, surprised about what you expected? Uh, what, where, where does Scadlock sit on things, considering third on the team in scoring? I mean, obviously his time away last year helped some guys also build their own confidence. Yeah, I, um, yeah you never know how someone's going to you know, come back. Um, you know, Kyle had done it before. He, he hurt his other leg and, uh, or his other knee in, in high school, so... I think just that understanding of how to go about the process of, of rehab helped him out. Um, you know, and he had a great fall, so our guys were really encouraged when November started and practice started. And um, you know, I think just the mental ease of knowing that he didn't have to try to be, um, you know, what he was when he got injured last year because you know we, James and Kyle and Matt Carpowitz had kind of stepped up. Um, so I think that helped him mentally more than anything. And um, you know he's gotten better every every week throughout the year. You're led by Casey. You're led by Heskett uh, and Scadlock. It's that three senior uh, trio uh, of 14 plus points a game. 18 from Bobby, 17 from James, and 14 by by Kyle. It makes jobs like myself easy by saying obviously it's senior leadership that helps this squad. But what is it about that trio? And and we don't want to n- neglect necessarily. Kempton and Soto either, but what is it about that trio that that has worked so well, especially this season? Well, I think they've. Uh, I think you're seeing the culmination of a, a lot's been asked of of that class throughout their career. I mean, um, you know, when their first ever career game, uh, Kyle James and Bobby led us in scoring off the bench as as freshmen in their first ever college game, uh, and from there it's been kind of ups and downs and, and learning. And um, you know, as a group as a whole, all, all six seniors are. Uh, incredibly selfless, and I think their personalities and uh, 
style of play really complement each other really well. And uh, I think you're just seeing that, uh, you know, excitement and, um, you know, comfort of being a senior, having been through so many situations together. And, um, you know, they're just out there kind of playing with a high level of confidence, a high level of joy. What do they do for the rest of the squad? How do the, how do the juniors, sophomores, and everybody else feed off of them? I think just their level of, um, you know, kind of uh, confidence right now. You know, they're treating every game the same. They're coming out and just kind of competing and playing hard, uh, while also, you know, they're they're as humble as can be. They you know pump each other up. They practice just as hard, um, and they encourage those guys to push them. Um, you know, we had a practice on last week. Our assistant afterwards said. You know, he feels bad for them sometimes because if they, you know, take a day off, which, you know, they're more than warranted at this point in their careers, um, you know, mentally, uh, you know, they, they get exposed in practice yeah. at times. And um, so I think they've really encouraged the, you know, some of the younger guys to, you know, keep pushing them. And that kind of, you know, drives them and helps us move forward. Sure. Uh, we should mention you've started the same five every single game. Um, that can sometimes be a luxury for some teams. How has it helped you guys get out the gate? Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest difference between this year and, and previous years where we, we kind of everyone, um, for the most part, at the top of our roster kind of knew, uh, you know, knew that James, Bobby, and Kyle were going to be the three guys that, uh, you know, we'd be calling the place for and, and looking to kind of lead us. Uh, and then Matt would be kind of our inside presence. Uh, Henry's that, that kind of energy guy that, that does whatever we ask him to do um, and compliments them well. So, uh, and then you throw on a couple seniors that, you know, have done everything, uh, you know, started a lot of games in their career, coming off the bench now. Uh, you know, so just having that understanding of roles at the at the top, uh, I think really allowed us to uh, move forward quicker than some years where you're, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, who's going to step up this year. This year we kind of, you know, the figuring out part was in, in kind of the role players, the younger guys, which is which is fun and been different guys each game. Interesting enough, when I look at it, it says one guard, three forwards, and a center. Is that really what you're starting? Are, are we being deceived a little bit there? Are you really a bigger team than maybe we've grown accustomed to a not only Williams squad but NESCAC squad in general? Yeah, I mean we are. I mean, fairly uh, you know long and, and tall right now. I mean we, you know, with Kyle coming back, James and Henry had such good years last year. Um, you know, we're kind of just try to or believe in just keeping the best guys out there. And um, so instead of, you know, moving a guy that maybe not didn't have as much experience as those guys into the backcourt, we just moved Kyle. And, um, you know, Kyle and James uh, both played guard in high school, so they've handled the ball their whole life and uh, gives us a lot of luxury, um, you know, and plus have that senior understanding of, of, of how to play so we can, you know, put them out there um, not worry so much about positions. Obviously, Amherst ahead. You're 15 and 0, but there's one thing the Mammoths would love to do, even if you were 0 and 15, and that's knock you guys off. It's of course at Lafrac, so you got to go. Unfortunately, on the road back towards civilization. Um, what what are you expecting from Dave Hickson's squad, who who are off to just a two loss season, and and they feel I almost feel like they've got the smoke and mirrors going a little bit this year. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean we. You know, not even concerned about records at this point. It's going to be, you know, one of the reasons uh, I think, you know, young men in our program come, mm-hmm. um, you know, and to Amherst and Williams is, is for that experience and the rivalry when both teams are, um, you know, having great years. So we're looking forward to, you know, just the fun 
uh, fun win Wednesday night game. Um, you know, they're they're long and athletic on the defensive end, and um, you know, it can be hard to score against. And you know, talented guys on the offensive end. So, um, you know, our guys have uh, you know know that if we don't come ready to play, they're uh, you know as good a team as we're going to see. So uh, they're going to challenge us in different ways. You know, they're obviously one of the bigger teams and probably the best, one of the best defenses in the country. So um, you know, they're test our offense and, and see where we're at. When I when I look at things, obviously last season ended not the way you guys wanted to at home second round against Ramapo, who obviously went on to the championship weekend um, for the first time in a long time. It it probably left a little bit of a of a, a sour taste in everybody's mouths a little bit. Out to this fifteen and zero start, as we said in pregame last or in pre show last time, uh, a Williams squad started this good. It went on to win a national championship. I know full well, I'm not going to ask you that, but how does last year's finish and the start of this year, what is that telling us about this Eves team moving forward? Yeah, I mean, again, as coaches and players, we really don't uh, worry so much about it. We, we, we talked you know, a little the last couple of weeks, and, um, and our seniors have done a great job. of. You know, they know this their last year of playing college basketball, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the reasons we've we've had a successful start is they've uh, really understood that you know every game they play is, is one of the last games they're going to play. So if you take it for granted or um, you know go through the motions or you know don't enjoy it, you're you're wasting an opportunity to play college basketball. Um, and that's really how we're treating each game each week. And uh, we've also learned the last couple of years, you know, the end of the year is the fun part, but the hard work is throughout the season. So. Um, you know, we'll do the hard stuff now, and then if we're lucky enough or fortunate enough to, uh, you know, get into the postseason, we'll we'll enjoy that when it comes. But for now, we're just trying to, um, you know, get better. And you know, we've learned a lot the last two years. We learned, you know, we've been able to reflect on, uh, you know, why we had some tournament success two years ago, and, and maybe we, you know, why we came up, um, you know, a little shorter than we hoped to last year. And, and Randall had a lot to do with that, but. Um, yeah, we 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 have last year. You know, once we get there, we have the last two years' uh, experiences to kind of reflect on and, and you know hopefully learn from. All of that said, is there anything you're not doing well that this team still needs to work on? Uh, yeah, a lot. That's what I've been spending today on. Uh, no, I think that's what. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a loaded uh, question. <laughs> no, I think that we we you know our seniors have done a good job of again continuing to stress that point to um, you know their teammates and themselves is that. Uh, we're, we're happy, you know, thrilled to, to be off to a great start and um, not have to go through that loss experience quite yet. But um, we're also excited because we feel we can get a lot better and, um, you know, feel that's part of the reason we've been able to get to the NESCAC championship game the last two years and uh, make it to the NCAA tournament because we've, you know, have a group that, uh, you know, has shown that, that desire to improve throughout the year. So, um, yeah, we got to, you know, tighten some things up on offense and defense just like everyone else and, um, you know, every team we play, you know, challenges us and, and we in a different way. You know, Tufts was a phenomenal offensive team that, you know, you know we were scared about guarding and uh, giving up a lot of threes. And then, um, you know, Bates threw a one-three-one zone at us, which we hadn't seen, and you know, learned a lot in that situation. And um, you know, throwing that just to, you know road experiences, home experiences. So um, yeah, we're we're learning and growing uh, just like everybody else. And um, you know, our guys hopefully continue to have that mindset. This is going to be a weird question. You're midway through. The, we're about midway through the season for everybody. Is 
as you go further along as a coach, do you almost wish you do get a loss? And in, 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 in the sense of one, it just removes the the, the what if to some degree, and, and, and the what if doesn't show up at the wrong time, or furthermore, helps drive home some points you're trying to make? Or is there is there a better push or a better motivator that you're continuing to win? I mean, I, it, I know it's a weird question, but I'm just kind of curious for as a team who's undefeated, would you rather keep going as undefeated? Or w- as a coach deep down, would, would you mind not a loss or two just to kind of help kind of waken the team? Uh, no, you definitely prefer winning. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, my wife asked me that question earlier today. Um, <laughs> I promise I didn't talk to her. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I, this, again, with a senior group, maybe with a younger group, but with our, you know, with guys that have been playing a lot since they were freshmen, um, you know, we, we know you can lose and we've lost. We, you know, two years ago, we started the NESCAC one and four. Um, right. You know, their freshman year, we, we went 15 and 10, um, you know, with the same guys playing a lot of minutes. So, um, you know, we, we've, you know, feel we're at this point because of a lot of losses and, and what we've learned. And, um, you know, we, we've, you know, hopefully know that it's better to, um, you know, learn through wins. I mean, we, we learned sure. a ton on, on Saturday. Um, and uh, it's great to see the guys in that, that circumstance. So, um yeah. So yeah. I mean, if if and when we lose, um, you know, it won't be the end of the world, and we'll learn a lot from that. But no, we definitely um, don't mind uh, kind of tweaking and, and learning while we're um, having positive results. Sure. Obviously, an undefeated season is is nothing to shake a stick at. Just kind of the mentality, the strategy, or the pressures that are. are I'm just curious, so I appreciate the the answer, uh, Kevin. Thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Good luck against Amherst here coming up. Uh, this week, obviously coming up midweek uh, at Amherst, and then uh, end of the week at Mid- or at home against Middlebury. Um, I'd love to talk more about the schedule, but we've run out of time. But I, as always, we give uh, the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just appreciate uh, you know, like I always say, appreciate what you guys do for uh, for our league and you know Division Three basketball in general. So um, you know, appreciate the uh, attention and the support. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, I, I wanted to see good counsel play this weekend but the game was canceled so that was that i haven't checked the results too much this year but (laughs) oh i I, that's all i knew about them because i just knew they were going to be at the event i was going to be calling games at uh so every time i think of them i think of my brother-in-law and you it's about the only reasons (laughs) i think about good counsel to be blunt yeah coach kiss was doing a great job uh you know it's good to see him back there so um but uh yeah, I don't get down there as much as I like. No, to nah, that's all right. We, I don't think anyone's holding it against you. You got some busy things to do. <laughs> hey, take care, right. safe travels, enjoy the winter, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. All right, thanks, Dave. Kevin Happ joining us here from the Eves. Of course, again, they've got the big rivalry with the Mammoths coming up. Uh, that's midweek. That is a game worth watching. Just two losses combined in the two: fifteen and zero, fourteen and zero, and four and zero for conference. For Williams, appreciate him taking the time. A couple quick comments. Uh, someone pointed out that New Paltz defeated number 14 Geneseo in women's basketball by 10. Um, that has become a great rivalry. You're absolutely right about that. Someone else pointed out on, on Periscope that a big win for Brandeis today is a beat Case Western. I've been keeping an eye on Brandeis. I'm very impressed. We've said it a couple times on this show with how Brandeis has done this season considering everything that happened in the offseason. That's been very impressive. And then our friend Dan pointing out that the Titans of Oshkosh continue to win their 12th straight 4-0 on the WIAC. Um, we were gonna. I was thinking about having him on tonight, and then I realized we've already talked to him 
this season. We'll see if we find another way to get them on at a later date. Take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, head down the coast. We'll head into uh, Pennsylvania, uh, right around the Philadelphia area. Um, and we will talk women's basketball with a juggernaut of a program, the Sales Bulldogs, and they'll, their senior guard, Morgan Bermelin, will join us to talk about her team. Just how good is the Sales? She'd know better than we. We'll find out from her. You're listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division Three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked the top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Always good to hit the microphone. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. One of the things that we've certainly uh, grown to enjoy, for lack of a better description, 
has been conversations with student athletes this year. We've gotten a few more, and uh, every time we've done it, it's gotten a little bit more uh, enjoyable, as it were. Uh, this time we decided to talk to one of the top 25 ranked teams from a player's point of view. If you haven't been watching DeSales women's basketball, uh, you're missing a clinic. Uh, not a lot of their games are close, to be blunt. This week, uh, they got past Wilkes, 86-46, and got past Del Val, 88-63, though that score wasn't really that close. 13-2 overall, the two losses to Scranton, which was a nail-biter, and to Sage, which is a head-scratcher. Um, but they're 4-0 in freedom and certainly seeming like they're the best in the conference. That said, Misericordia is good this season. Manhattanville is good as well, though the last result against the sales, well, we'll find out. They both come up. So we wanted to get a vantage point of the student athlete. And joining us via the Hoopsville Hotline Skype is Morgan Bermelin. Uh Morgan, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, a, a senior guard. So this goes almost without saying, and we'll fix the graphic that apparently we're taking a Spanish version of the word senior. Um, this goes without saying is you've got to be thrilled with this 13-2 and two season. Yeah, we've had a really good year so far. I'm really happy with how the girls have been playing and our team overall. Do you have expectations coming in? Because to be honest with you, I didn't expect you to. I thought you guys might be good, but I don't think I thought you guys would be this good. Um, of course, uh, we knew coming in we had really good freshmen coming in. We have five girls that really can step up and play. So we knew that coming in. Um, but it wasn't until we started playing pickup and then once the season actually started that I realized that, wow, we really do have something special here. So it wasn't until we all started playing that I, I figured that out. Is that something that you even utter? Do you even open your mouth and say, oh, we, we've got a pretty good team here? Of course, um, we try to stay humble with that, but we take one game at a time. Um, we are very talented, but we always have stuff to work on. So one game at a time, just getting into the gym, working hard, and uh, getting better every day. Sounds like a smart answer to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk, not that we want to, to linger on losses necessarily, but I am kind of curious about the two losses that happened in three games. Scranton, uh, you beat Gwen and Mercy in the middle, and then, and then Sage. Both games on the road. First off, Scranton, because yeah. they're obviously they're number three in the country. Uh, playing pretty well despite just barely getting past Catholic this week. What did you think of Scranton, and, and, and how did that guy, game play out for you guys? Scranton is a very talented team. Uh, they have some really good players, and they're very well coached. So going into that game, um, I obviously was nervous, but I think we, we came out of the, the gun really fast, and we played well, and then um, unfortunately – we lost our momentum there and let the game slip away from us. But like I said, they're very talented. It was a tough game um, for both teams. I think we had a lot that um, we could learn from and grow from, and it was a learning experience for us. Two games later, you lost on the road against Sage. Uh, as I said yes. in, in the intro, that was a bit of a head-scratcher. Not that Sage hasn't been a very competitive program in the last few years. Certainly, Coach Co uh, Allison there has, has done well, but you guys have been destroying teams leading up to that point besides Scranton. What, what happened in the Sage game? Um, the Sage game, we just didn't come ready to play, I don't think. Uh, we didn't do the things that we normally do well. We didn't play um, our great pressure defense that we're known for. Uh, we didn't do the little things. We didn't just execute what uh, Coach Richter had written up for us. So, unfortunately, we just let that one slip away from us. Like you said, it was a head-scratcher. I can understand that, and it's good to know that you know you guys knew that. 
Is that the kind of game that's the perfect kind of reminder that you can't just coast into to contests? You can't just look at the record and go, we got this. Yeah, of course. Um, both of those losses, I think, were very important for us. Like I said, we learned a lot from both of them. Um, so we just had to take what we learned from those games and work on them so that we can be better in the end of the season. We don't want to peak at the wrong time. I think it was good that they happened at the beginning of the season, and we can grow from there. Yeah, you guys certainly grew from there, to say the least. Um, you beat Florham 67-46 in the next game out. How different is Florham? How, how different was it for you who as a senior has seen the other Florham, the one who's, who who's just can wipe the floor with teams, how was it to play a team that doesn't have their head coach and lost three of their best scores and is, in, in no disrespect, a shell of what they used to be? Yeah, uh, like you just said, they were awesome, and it was always um, frustrating losing to them <laughs> because they were so very talented. Um, but I think uh, they'll be a program to watch out for. Their coach really seems to know what she's doing, and the girls really like to play for one another. So I think um, as the year progresses, they'll get better. So they're not a team to to just wipe off and, and think second-guess them or anything. Um, but, yeah, it was a very different FDU than we experienced. Mm-hmm. I think it was an exciting win for us as a program, always because it's always down to FDU and us, yeah. a rivalry for sure. You got other big wins. You beat Muhlenberg before the holidays. You beat Platteville and Trinity uh, in uh, on the road at a, at a tournament during the holidays. Came back home. Now you roll out three straight. What, what what's the what's the atmosphere like in the locker room right now? Um, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Obviously, every team at this point is going to give us their best game. So we mm-hmm. just have to take each game at a time. Just focus on that and keep the momentum rolling. Uh, like I said, we want to continue to progress throughout the season. So just take one game at a time and execute coach's game plan for us. You're winning games by 30 points on average, scoring 83 points offensively, 53 points defensively. What do you take more pride in, the fact you guys can click on offense or the fact you can suffocate teams defensively? Uh, Definitely defense. I think that's been our calling card. It's something that we can always fall back on. Our pressure defense does create a lot of our offense, so if we can execute the defensive end, um, then the points just come with that. Uh, getting steals and running the break. I think that's how we generate a lot of our points anyways. So definitely our pressure defense, I think, is what we're most proud of as a team. Four players in double figures, including yourself. Is that what this team's about when we're watching? is it? Do we have to watch for Sterner and, and Shinkus and, and Jordan and yourself? Or are there players that we should be watching that aren't you for? I think that's something that makes our team really special. It's not just one person scoring all the points or one person doing it all on the floor. We're very unselfish, and at any point, someone could go off. So it's not like we're relying on one person. Everyone is so talented. Even our, our subs that come in off the bench, they can come in and play big minutes, score uh, crucial buckets for us. So I think that's something that makes us um, hard to uh, play against just because we do have so many girls that can offer things offensively. Talk to me about Bridget Walsh because she doesn't double, she doesn't score in double figures. She's got 8.1, but she's the best rebounder at 8.9. And she averages about three blocks a game. At some Mm -hmm. point, do you just enjoy watching her defensively? Yes, I love it. I mean, in practice, and not so much because she does send some of my (laughs) jumps lines to the other end. Um, But yeah, it is fun. It is nice to know that if a girl does get past me, there's a good chance Bridget will 
uh, step up and stop her and block that ball. Oh, so you're more than willing to let him go past. I see. I see. Oh, no. But if I do break down, you know, my team has my back, thankfully. Nice. I couldn't resist. Sorry. Um, t- let's talk a little bit about where you guys play. I've, I obviously know it well um, in the Billera Hall. Um, it kind of re- reminds me a little bit of, of my old high school days in Maine because there is a, a almost like a stage off the end of one baseline that if you go a little too hard, you're going to cut yourself in half on. Um, <laughs> it, it's tight. The other baseline's got the padding up so you don't kind of run off into a wall in a dangerous way. But it's that also true D3 gym in the sense that if you don't know its quirks, you aren't going to be successful. What quirks have you learned about that place? I don't know. I, I don't know if there's necessarily any, any quirks that I um, that I have realized. I just love playing in the gym. I think it's um, something I'll miss when I leave. But uh, there's always something about a home game that's special. Yeah, it's definitely a cool place. I've loved catching some games there. I'm going to go off script here a little bit. If memory serves, and please correct me, do you guys have, is it Rick Seidel calling games for you guys now? I'm sorry, what did you say? Does Rick Seidel call games for you now? I'm not play play sure. Game? Yeah, no, I was doing an ad lib there. I should have asked BJ beforehand. Ignore me then. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, oh. that's a BJ question. I'll have to ask BJ's him. BJ's rolling his eyes right now at me. Um, <laughs> trust me, you don't need to worry about it. If you do have uh, have him, you got one of the best. Um, all right, so we talked about the team a little bit. Let's talk about you. It would oh, it, it would be it would be foolish not to mention that you've been a Mac Freedom second teamer as a sophomore, a first teamer as a junior. You were all region third teamer last year. W for D3hoops.com. WBCA all-region first teamer, an honorable mention as an All-American. Uh, you rank second in the school in assists, third in steals, uh, single-game record in both assists and steals, 914 career points. You're knocking on a thousand right now. What's it been like to play collegiate basketball from an un, from your point of view? And and I really you know, you don't need to be selfish and talk about everybody else, but what you, you clearly have been a huge instrumental player for DeSales. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate all that you just said. Um, yeah, obviously growing up, this is something I always wanted to do and looking for a school, um, DeSales always struck out for me. I love coach Richter. I love the program he's created and I loved the team when I was being recruited. So it was really an honor to come to this school and play, uh, for DeSales women's basketball. It's just something that I really enjoyed, and it's easy to play uh, for a team that you like, a coach that you like, and for a program that you enjoy as well. So, um, yes, I have enjoyed my time here, and it's something I'll definitely miss, but we're not finished yet, so hopefully we can continue to uh, keep rolling here. Yeah, we're still midway through the season. There's plenty of basketball still <laughs> to be played. Um, yeah. Is a student-athlete, there's obviously more pressing things to do, more important things than what's on the basketball court, and finding that balance is important. Can you give everybody mm-hmm. a sense of what your major is and, and what got you involved in it? Sure. Um, I'm early childhood education major, so I'll be certified pre-K to four. Um, I have always loved children, and I just think it, uh, teaching is just such a cool thing to impact a child's life in, in a way. And I'd also like to coach someday, so I think teaching and coaching is um, – something that I'd really enjoyed doing. Um, you add, if I got my notes right in what you said earlier, you add now the student teaching aspect to yeah. the uh, crazy schedule, 
might be the right way of saying things. Um, I have known several who've had to do this while playing sports. The balance job is difficult. Have you been able to even dive into that yet? Well, actually, my first day is tomorrow. I start out in fourth grade. Yeah, so hopefully that all goes well. Um, But yeah, time management will be a big thing. Um, Just sitting down, doing my work when I'm supposed to. I think being a student athlete has prepared me for that just because I've had to do that previous. It's just a little bit more time consuming now with student teaching. But I'm sure that, uh, you know, it's two things that I enjoy and I'll I'll be able to sit down and do the things that I'm supposed to do and get it done. Will you Hopefully I'll be able to do both of them well. <laughs> sure. Are you taking classes at the same time or will it only be student teaching? Just student teaching. Okay. Okay. Well, that'll be a relief to say the least. <laughs> um, I, a little birdie in my head, and you can probably guess who it is, uh, mentioned that you guys have a unique pregame ritual that literally encompasses you. After announcements are done, the team gathers in a little powwow circle and yeah. someone's in the middle, and it happens to be you. That, that's all well and good, but I, 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 a bird tells me you do a crazy dance. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. There's no rhyme or reason to what I do. <laughs> I just get in there and see what I can uh, shake and twist around to see to get the girls going and get pumped up. So I don't even know how it started. I just jumped in and wiggled around, and it became a tradition. <laughs> how long have you been doing it? Uh, ever since, I think since I've been a freshman. Wow. I just hopped in. Kind of a bold move as a freshman for sure, but uh, just got to get the girls going before the game. <laughs> so no dance, I assume, is the same. No, no, you really never know what I'm going to go out there and do. I just kind of chicken leg it, spin around a little. <laughs> <laughs> that is outstanding. Uh, home and away? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, that makes it even more fun. Um <laughs> Before I let you go, though, I'd love to know what you what it's like to play for Fred Richter. I have been near him on the sidelines. We've had him on the show. He can be a, a mixture of two different people at times. Um, but from your vantage point, what's it like to play for him? Uh, Coach Richter's an awesome man. He's been a wonderful mentor to me um, on and off the floor. I know that he has my back on the court and off the court as well. Um, he knows his stuff when it comes to basketball, and he really does everything he can for his girls on this team. So it's been an honor to play for him. Oh, well said. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, you got Manhattanville and Misericordia ahead. They're kind of up there at the top of the conference. Thoughts on, on those two teams this week? Two big games. Um, like you had mentioned earlier, Misericordia is undefeated. Manhattanville is always a tough game. Um, so just taking each game at a time, working hard, and hopefully getting two big conference wins coming up. Well, I appreciate the time. I don't know if anybody let you know, but we always have a tradition on the show. The guest gets the final word. Any final <laughs> thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, well, my dad's a big fan, so hi to my dad. Oh. Um, yeah, he when he was pretty pumped when I told him that I'd be on here, so... Um, he listens all the time, so this will be cool for him. Hey, Dad. <laughs> so any thoughts? You just wanted to say, Dad? That's awesome. I love that one. That's all I have. Perfect. We'll end it on that. Hey, congratulations on what has been a tremendous career so far. Uh, we will keep an eye out for the dance and uh, <laughs> maybe ask for some video. And in the meantime, good luck yeah. not only this week against the the, uh, the M teams, Manhattanville and Misericordia, but good luck the rest of the season. Congratulations, and we'll look forward to talking to you hopefully sometime down the road.
Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Morgan Bermelin joining us here from DeSales. We appreciate her taking the time. Again, the team is 13-2. and two. They do have two big games, Manhattanville and Misericordia. Had Misericordia, again, she mentioned it, undefeated at 15-0. And Manhattanville at 12-2. and two. Big battle atop the Freedom. And none of the teams have Florham in their name. It's fun to see. Take another break. When we come back, we will, uh, where are we headed uh, next? Oh, that's right. We're heading to the NABC Coaches Corner. Head down to Texas. Talk to Bill Raleigh about what it's like to no longer be coaching, but staying involved in the coaching. We'll talk to him about how it all works. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I have a feeling some of you have been chatting with us, and I apologize for not getting back to said chats. I see Joe, uh, I think, probably loved that last segment that we had on, or at least loves the show. One of the two. Uh, two people did the same. So I'm, I'm believing we're probably having a pretty good show here tonight. Uh, Daryl Duncan, by the way, saying uh, enjoyed uh, the Northwest Conference. Hey, Daryl, we'll talk about it, a little bit about the Northwest Conference uh, here coming up on what happened this weekend and, and some of that. So stick with the show as you normally do. I appreciate it. Not going to run the crawl here on this uh, segment. Uh, things were running a little sluggish, not computer-wise, but for some reason broadcast-wise uh, last segment. So we're just going to ch- turn that down. But if you do have questions, again, Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email is hoopsville at d3hoops.com. If you have a problem, by the way, with that email, let us know. And then uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville as well, where we've had a number of people we know tuning in, and we appreciate it. All right, so we're debuting the Coach's Corner for the first time this season. A little bit uh, delayed getting it out the door, but not without a, a... at least good effort on our part because uh, it is an important segment for us. The NABC has been so important for this show, this studio alone. It helped us build this studio, and so we always thank the NABC for their support. Uh, starting this one, we're, we're starting with a twist, not talking with a coach who's currently coaching, but a coach who used to coach, still heavily involved with the NABC, but is on the administrative side. And when talking to other coaches, they thought, you know, this might be a good topic to be had. There are several coaches we know, especially in the Mid-Atlantic area, who do both coaching and administrative, though there's one, I believe, who's going to be losing one of those gigs here in the near future uh, to focus on just the other. And that's challenging enough. But to sometimes walk completely away from the game and just be an administrator takes a, a significant step forward. And to some, there is a future on the other side, as it were. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Bill Raleigh, friend of the show, and Shriner Athletics Director, former Southwestern men's basketball coach. Uh, Bill, as always, thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, it's great to be here, Dave. And I just want to say off the bat, you, you guys do a great job. D3 Hoops has been, a, you know, in my, my 25 years in it, it's been one of the biggest things that made the game grow. So that's a kudos to you guys and everything you guys do with the game. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. And again, and we couldn't do it a lot of it without your guys' support. So thanks for at least noticing that we weren't complete lunatics, um, <laughs> just slight lunatics, as as some would argue. Um we're trying to get your graphic up. Apparently, isn't going to cooperate with us, but we'll get it up here eventually. But um, first and foremost, have you finally adjusted <laughs> just just being an administrator, or does the coaching side of you still kind of try and bust through? Yes, um, I, I was when I first got out of it. Uh, my assistant took over for me, and my that first year, I did actually the color commentating for our, yeah. our live streaming games oh that's and that keeps you in it <laughs> that yeah so that was a great it was a great transition because I, I really enjoyed the fact that i could analyze the game like a coach and not have to make any of the decisions at the end of the, <laughs> in those big spots so uh so that was a great transition and, and i spent uh three years with you know where i was in, in administration my assistant was was taken over and and we had a great relationship he, he was fantastic for me and the fact that he kept me in the loop and we would talk and um you know he allowed me to to talk basketball with him without the pressure of him having you know looking looking over his shoulder so <laughs> it was a it was a very smooth transition um i do think you know any any administrator who comes out of the coaching ranks 
you know that the sport you coached is always the one you have a, a, a tough eye on, and, yeah. and it, you know it's a little, little closer to your heart than everything else. But um, it's it's been fun, and it's been a good transition. And and I miss it now being a head athletic director, being in charge. I, I can't do the color of the game, so I, I spend a lot more time pacing uh, around the gym <laughs> than I used to. But uh, <laughs> yeah, at least it kept you busy on the other one. But I can totally understand how you're not. Though I saw you do a little bit of commentary uh, last year. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, though I don't think it was in-game, maybe just at halftime, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, I was interviewed by uh, Coach, I uh, can't remember his name now, I'll tell my head, a former coach out there who I yep. had met years and years ago. And, and uh, um, I was the, I, the funny thing about that game was I was the only person in the gym who had coached against all three of the people, uh, all four <laughs> of the coaches in the game. So, Fair I point. I forgot about that. Um, it was fun to see you there. And I forgot the coach's name myself. Uh, I know exactly uh, who you're Skip, talking about. Uh, Molitor. Hey, Skip Molitor. Yes, from, that's from, who it is. Yeah, Whitman. Yes, thank so, you. Um, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm not that old yet, but I'm getting old. <laughs> it takes a little longer. What advice would you give anybody who's considering a move? And maybe we should back up one further step and say, what actually got you to decide, you know, I want to go administratively? Because I don't know many who get into the coaching ranks going, well, eventually I want to be an administrator they usually already have the thought that they want to be a coach and it's coach, 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 coach. Something's got to kind of make them go the other direction. So what maybe prompted you to start saying, you know, administrators kind of maybe more my speed. Well, it, it, it kind of, I kind of fell into it and my background's a little bit different being a lawyer um, and coming into it. I came into coaching a little bit later than most kids, most guys did because I went to law school after right after college. And so it, it was always something that, I was always a little different, I guess is the best way to put it. And and at my every coaching stop I had the way I had administrators who, you know, I guess thought myself competent, so they kept me involved and got me involved in things. And uh, very quickly after after I got into it, in when I became a head coach, it's a it's a brutal profession. People don't realize how you know for for about six months, eight months, you you're solely dying inside. I mean, it, you know, there's you know, and I can't describe that to people, but I I knew fairly early in my coaching career that I was not going to be one of those guys going to be seventy years old still able to coach um, because I just didn't sleep. I, I would lose weight during the season. I, I mean, I was, it was just miserable um, for physically and, and the drain you put on yourself and, and the perfectionist in you. So, so I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be able to coach for 50 years. Um, so I, so I, I had the opportunity to get involved in it. So I kind of started moving that path. Um, and in Southwestern, um, by my fourth year at Southwestern, uh, I, I moved over completely as a, you know administrator and a coach, and, mm -hmm. and had a tremendous amount of responsibility in that way. And and that's when I kind of started seeing it, and one thing led to another. And you know, the advice I give people when they, when they're thinking about getting out of it is you got to be ready. Um, yeah. it, it, you know, you can't. Uh, and I work for Hal Nunnally, who is a tremendous coach at, at Randolph-Macon, yeah. and Vern Canfield, who was a tremendous coach at um, Washington and Lee. And I, I actually worked uh, work with both of them towards the end of their career, and they they both kept saying, you know, it was, it's not the games, it's the practice that you miss, and, and it's the relationships, it's those fun things. The games are, are you know, kind of the the end of semester test type of thing but it's it's those daily interactions um and that's where that's probably been the toughest adjustment for me is you just don't um you know 
I'm now I'm now the bad cop in a lot of ways when it comes to things. I'm the one who, uh, you know, we had a situation with a, a player this year who, you know, the coach laughed because the first thing out of the out of the young lady's mouth was how mad I was going to be at her. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like my kids. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a different relationship in a lot of ways. And, and where it's filled in for me is I, I, I love coaching the coaches. I, I have so much fun now just sitting back. And, again, it's a great position to be in as I can listen to them and kind of give my two cents worth in and, and then say, okay, now you got to live with your decision. <laughs> it's not you to make. Um, so I kind of give advice and all that stuff. So, so it's been a pr- pretty smooth and enjoyable. Um, you know, I do miss some aspects of it, but uh, I'm glad I, I've been able to stay involved with the NABC in particular. That's really helped the transition. Uh, you're not a former lawyer because you're always a lawyer to some degree. Yeah. That's got to make the administrative side a little bit more interesting. You kind of maybe know those uh, things you're reading a little bit better than most people do. Yeah, I probably know a little too much sometimes. <laughs> True. It, it drives you crazy, but yeah. it does help. Um, you talked about staying involved in the NABC, and that's what I've been always impressed with, is you were always very involved in the NABC, probably because you knew Pat Cunningham and the rest way too well, and they dragged you in, maybe kicking and screaming. Um, but you've stayed, and, and despite being an administrator, you're still heavily involved in the NABC on the Division Three level. I certainly see it when it comes to the All-Star game and other goings-ons at the championship weekend. But why is that so important? Because so, be, to be blunt, Bill, you're, as an admin, you don't necessarily have to keep doing that to some degree. No, no, not at all. And it, it's because uh, you know, you, once you're a coach, you're, you're always a coach. And, and the, you know, the proudest thing I've ever been called is, is been coach. Um, and I've had great mentors and great friends. Uh, you know, Charlie Brock, I always tell the story about Charlie Brock, who's the president of the NBC now, that the first call I got as a head coach was from Charlie Brock because, um, you know, he knew we were terrible and he wanted to get us twice. Um, <laughs> and three years later, I told him that the biggest compliment I ever got from a coach was three years later, I had to call him to try to get a game and he wouldn't play me because we were getting better. And, and I said, you know, as a young coach, that was a great, you know, great compliment. As I was I'm banging my head against the wall, here's somebody who's doing well and seeing the good things that don't apply to me. So, um, I, and, and Pat Cunningham has been, been one of my best friends in coaching yeah. and, and a great mentor. So those guys have made it easy to stay involved. Uh, we were, I was fortunate to get on the ground floor of the, of the All-Star game, which I think is fantastic. And I'm so excited that the that the women have finally decided to do it in Division III. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's one of the best experiences I've had in, in, in the profession because the 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 pleasure these kids get from the opportunity to be twenty of the top players in the country get together, yeah. the enjoyment they have, you know, it just it's one of those things that I look forward to um, every year because you just meet great kids and you see these wonderful players who are student athletes who are doing things the right way who are achieving at the top. You know they're going to really do well and and I get the pleasure of seeing the notes that come back from those kids about how great it is and so that keeps you involved in it and the NBC is just a, a great organization. I've uh, been able to was in was on the uh, All American committee for a while. Um, I've, I'm, you know, doing the Outstanding Service Award was another great thing. Is mm-hmm. I've, I've taken it over from Pat, and, and it's a great way to to recognize coaches um, who've given a lot to the game, and, and not only the ones who you know, a lot of them you don't hear about. Um, and I always tell people uh, we gave an award last year to Bob Slosher, who was uh, at Elizabethtown, mm-hmm. who just retired. And mm-hmm. you know, I was lo- I was laughing with him when my first interview as a trying to get a job in, in coaching was Bob Slosher when he was at, at E Town. So 
uh, everything kind of comes back in circle for me to be able to hand him an outstanding That's service cool. award. Um, it was really, really kind of special, and um, you know, someone I've seen and, and stayed in touch with through the years. So it's a, it's just a wonderful thing, and, and the NABC is able to do, enabled us to do that, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's that's that is awesome. Uh, and again, I love working with you to some degree with that All Star game as well. And I'm, I agree with you, the women's to game. some degree. I, I, I'm not that bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just talking. I'm downplaying my. No, F, I'm talking about my work. I'm not. I don't do that much work with it. I'm just saying to some degree, I work with you. Okay. Uh, um, uh, especially with you running up uh, players to us um, for half for the interviews during the game, which yep. is to my broadcast partners who always think is the most fun part of the weekend, uh, which oh, says a lot. And the parents and the people love that. They yeah. think it's, it's fantastic because you get to hear these kids who they are. You get, to, right. you get to meet them at a different level, which is fantastic. I still want to find an even better way of doing it instead of dragging them off their bench, but they're always willing to do it, which I love. Yeah. Um, you talk about all that work the NABC last year, and the picture we're finally showing on our on our graphic is you uh, being honored with the NABC Guardians of the Game honor. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that award is and what it meant to you to to get it. Well, complete shock. Um, it it was really the culmination of my coaching career in a lot of ways, and and it was the NABC Guardians of the Game Award for advocacy, and um, you know came from my peers of uh, you know the Division Three coaches that I know who recommended me for it. Um, and you know, just it, it touched me unbelievably because it's you know you don't do this stuff for. You know, for accolades, you don't do it, but it's very nice when one comes through. And, and it just happened last year when our team, you know, our men's basketball team went to the NCAA tournament for the first time, you know, first and a team in our NCAA year yeah. has gone to the national tournament. So really special kind of everything kind of tied together. So, um, again, I, I hate talking about myself, but, it, you know, it really was special <laughs> because, again, it's a recognition from coaches, you know, for what you do in the profession. And, and that to me is really one of the one of the special special moments and um, I've been very fortunate like I said you know Hal Nunnally and Fern Canfield and Pat Cunningham and uh, Charlie Brock and and Mike McGrath and people like that have been mentors to me I've been very fortunate that you know Jared Samples at the University of Dallas and Jansen Hightower at Southwestern former assistants of mine being head coaches um you know, it's kind of unique. I got two of them, two former assistants in the league yeah. <laughs> um, that that I see if to see. But uh, you know, those are the things that the, the relationships of of the coaches, and, and that's the special thing about Division Three is, you know, like I said, Pat and I went were at rival schools. Um, you know, Pat Cunningham and I, Trinity yeah. and Southwestern, were rival schools, and we became best friends. And you know, people don't realize that it wouldn't when the you know when the ball went up in the air, I wanted to kick his butt and he wanted to kick mine. <laughs> um, but yeah. when the game was over with, we you know we were we were great friends, and and I think that's so special, and that's that's really what competition should be about. Is we want to win, I want to win when that game's on, but I want to do things the right way, and I respect people that do things the right way. And so when the, the coach association awards you an award like that, it's just really means it's really something special. Yeah, pretty cool honor for you to, to say the least. And I was certainly impressed. Um, that you're you're by the way also busy as you're in your final year on the committee for uh, basketball rules on the men's side. Uh, yes. We should point out it's a, a committee that encompasses all three divisions, and you're one of the Division Three members. How, what's the experience been like? What is that? A four-year term? Uh, if I'm yes, yeah. And I actually, I, I, I actually, this is going into my fifth year because I, I was oh. brought on. Uh, 
the last year of someone else's tenure and, and was able to then re- resign. So I've been I've been through I've been through it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, all the big changes and it's been it's been fantastic and we we're very fortunate to JD Collins who's the supervisor of officials mm-hmm. you know for all NCA um mainly division 1 but he's in charge of everything he he has been it has been really a wonderful experience i've learned more about i wish i wish i'd been on this earlier in my career i probably would have got along with officials a lot better um <laughs> because i i understand what they're, what they're thinking a lot more and and that's been probably to me Dave the biggest the best part about this experience is it's it's a group of coaches, it's a group of referees, and it's um, some NCAA people, and it's Art Highland, who's the assigner, you know, the um, rules editor, mm-hmm. and we're all in a room, and the conversation is about how do we make this right, you know. So coaches have their point of view about something. Coaches, have, you know, uh, referees are seeing something else, and there's a great discussion about. How do we get to a place where it's going to be good for the game? And that's been the bottom line in the whole, every conversation, every issue, every up and down, every fight there was. The end game was always, how is this going to help the game? And to me, I appreciated that so much because it, it, it's, it's a tough, you know, to, to officiate is very, very difficult. I mean, people don't realize how quick and, and how fast and how much is going on. And, um, you know, we've been able to try to do some things. That I think the Division One, you're seeing the, the benefits of it already. Um, and you're going to see it trickle down to our level as, as officials become more and more uh, used to the, the, new, the new technique. And we can make some games ugly at times, but sure. I think overall it makes it, a, it makes it a real good real good game to watch. And, and at the end of the day, it's entertainment. People don't realize yeah. that. It's, you know, it's, it's, we love the sport as coaches, but it's, it's entertainment um, in the big picture. Uh, can you I, – I hinted at the beginning of the years, and I, I had learned a lot more about why necessarily that we don't have quarters in Division Three or Division Three in college basketball. I know you and I talked earlier. You said you wouldn't have minded tackling that. Kind of give us a synopsis why quarters isn't here and and why it may not be here for a while. Well, let me first of all say that I'll bring the lawyer out to me. I'm not speaking for the committee at all. This yes. is my interpretation of what Correct. I'm seeing in it. Um, <laughs> I got to be careful about that. Uh, no, stuff, I agree. But, no, good point. Good um, point. But uh, the, the the real big thing is, is television. Um, it, it's very difficult, um, as everybody should know. The men's basketball tournament funds almost eighty percent of the NCA. Uh, you know, so that and, and those dollars are so important to everything that we do. So the. There's a, a cachet of media timeouts and an amount of time that the media needs to, to be able to make the money off of so we can get the money from, from the television. Um, so so the, the long story is we're, we're having to try to figure out how to fit the number of media timeouts needed into a four-quarter game. The women were able to do it a little bit different because they don't have as many, right. uh, did not have as many in a, in a Division One game. Um, so that's, I think that's the long story about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm betwixt and between with it because I, I understand it now as administrator. I want four quarters so that I don't have, have to teach my table, you know, and flip the switch from game yeah. one to game two of what's going on and change right. all the rules. Um, but I love the I love the 20 minute games. I love 20 minute halves. I love the flow of that, the way that game is. Um, I just like the uniqueness of it. So. Um, I think it's going to come. You know, if television can be straightened out, I think it's going to come. But um, until until that's done, and, and you learn that it's you know, like I said, it, it's about entertainment. It's about 
dollars and having to get games done in a window that makes sense for television um, is a big part of the whole thing. So, and without going into the weeds, we should point out too the contract in D one basket or in men's basketball, I should say, with CBS Turner is far more complex with a lot of money on it, whereas the deal with women's basketball with ESPN is not as complex without not nearly as much money, if any money. So that's really where the big difference, too, is CBS Turner wants to get what they can get out of their their money they're spending, which makes a lot of sense. So that's that's a little weedy in some sense, but that's uh, why it's a little more complicated. So far above my pay grade. Yeah. It's so far above the committee's pay grade. Yeah. The powers of be are going to figure that out, and, and they're going to do it. And, and like I said, the, the, the one that makes me feel good about it is everybody involved in the discussions, every meeting I've been in, every situation I've been in, everybody's going, what's good for the game? That's yeah. that's the bottom line, and so we'll figure it out at some point. But it's a... Um, you know, again, it's, it's one of those sticky things that just uh, money makes the world go round, and you know you got to make sure you're, you're making sure we get it because it funds everything else. And that's why people don't realize that three percent of the budget that we get at Division Three. That's why we have championships. That's why yeah. we have all these things, um, yeah. and that comes from basketball. So yeah, we're not going to ruin that up. So. No. Uh, you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, as it were. No. Um, no. Uh, of course, every year or every couple of years comes with rules uh, adjusted, changed, whatever that, that can be. Uh, not as much hoopla coming into this year, even though it was a rules year. Um, though there's one that I know came up in the Whitworth-Whitman game that I've seen a little bit. I don't think everybody truly appreciates. If you don't mind kind of explaining what exactly is the hook and hold call and where where was it, where did it come from, I guess is the best way of asking that. Well, it's a, it's probably as old as basketball. <laughs> in reality, <laughs> you know, it's it's the advantage disadvantage, and it's just basically when when people get caught or, or get tangled up around the basket rebounding, and when someone locks one arm down to the other, and it came out of Division One because the bodies are getting bigger and bigger, and and really the emphasis came, emphasis came out of the Purdue game last year in the NCAA tournament when um, the center for Purdue got. Uh, Broke, a, broke his leg because yeah. he was pulled into a bad position out of it. And safety is always at the bottom line of everything. You got to make sure we're, we're able to stop things before kids get hurt. Because we went through with the you know the elbows, yeah, um, swinging of the elbows and all that stuff. You know that getting started with someone taking a bad shot and we started looking at how can we legislate it out of the game, and we're able to do that. Um, the hook and hold is just a it's a safety measure. Um, it, it's very difficult to see in in live action. That's why it's been able to be reviewed sometimes and um, trying to get it right. But it's one of those things, and it's one of those rules in the game that if if you call it, people will get away from it. And, you know, it's, it's like the grabbing of the shorts or the you know the sure. hand checking and all that stuff. All of a sudden, people are going to adjust it and be able to play the right way. And um, you know, it's just it's just that idea of you get arms tangled and you're, and you're locking somebody down so they can't get off the ground. And, you know, a big, strong athlete who tries to jump and his body won't go up with him, you could pull his shoulder out of socket. You can you can do some terrible things. So uh, it really was off of safety. Um, and it's, again, something that's seen a lot more at the Division One level, it's, and it's getting cleaned up very quickly because there's sure. 16 cameras. You can't hide it. Um, <laughs> it's difficult to see. It's difficult to see at Division Three sometimes because yeah. you have one camera angle. But Agreed. Uh, uh, I think it's you know I think it's something that's that's good for the game and 
Um, again, it's there's going to be times when it's not going to be officiated very well or whatever, but it's yeah. I think long long haul is is going to be something that's going to help the game and, and keep people safe and um, make it a fairer product. To some degree, if you can make sure the players start realizing they got to stop doing it, no matter how it's called, they'll stop doing it and that'll make it a safer yeah. game. Um, this is a little bit of a loaded question, uh, Bill, but you know, review in Division Three. Obviously, we have it when we're up at the championship game. We have it when schools have the capabilities. Is there any conversation do you know of or do you have any personal opinion on making sure, A, maybe review is available for all championship tournament games or even bigger than that? We find a way to get review, and I understand the complexities. I'm the guy who can help, you know, who's run these systems. I understand how it works. But is there some conversation about trying to get review a little bit more universal? It may not be perfect, but something to help Division Three in that, in that scope. Yeah, I mean, I think it's coming. Uh, it, it, it's a very, you know, uh, having worked on a college campus for, you know, 25, 30 years, yeah. um, everything is a very, it takes a very, very long time to get anything done. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, the first thing was the cost. You know, yes. that now cost has come down tremendously. Then, it, you know, then you've got to get the right people. You've yep. got to get the, you know, the, um, then you got to be able to have, uh, an, you know, the more cameras you add or the more angles you add, the more people you have to, yep. you know, to, to run them and all those things. So uh, it, it's coming, and I think it's, you know, same thing like um, media timeouts. Sure. Media timeouts, you know, it's being done in the championship you know, it started being done just in the championship game, then went to the whole tournament. Now, almost every conference tournament has it, and pretty soon everybody's going to have them. In, you know, across Division Three, replay is coming that way too. Um, it's just you know the problem is going to be very, very. It's it's very spotty at our level because yes. every school is different and everybody's got different resources yep. and different situations and. Um, but we've gone to it here. We we have it now and and. Um, you know, I think it's great to have. I think it's something that is, uh, you know, it's frustrating when coaches because sometimes you miss an angle or, or don't get. But yeah. I think it gives the officials it gives the officials that that secondary kind of backup to say, okay, do we get it right or not? And um, I'm hoping it hoping it continues down that path. And like I said, I I think within the next ten years, it'll be you know kind of part of just the fabric of the game. You got to replay. Yeah, um, and just like just like I think media timeouts will be as well. Sure, I agree with you. Um, we can I could talk to you forever. Uh, I love our conversations. I come out of it having learned so much more or a different appreciation of things. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. We'll have to see if we can get you on the show uh, at a future date because I'd love to get your take on the ASC and the SCAC as well. Um, some interesting basketball in Texas, to say the least. Yeah, it's a it's a great great level down here. Our the SCAC is is the top isn't great, but boy, it's it's you know one to one to eight is almost all the same. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. I enjoy watching the scores. Everybody's been close games, and the ASC has got some teams that powerhouse. Uh, Maryland and Bale is very very good. East Texas Baptist is very good. UT Dallas Terry Buddyfield does a great job at UT mm-hmm. Dallas every year. They're they're very good. So uh, it's gonna be gonna be good. Good January and February down here. Uh, some good basketball. Yeah, I admit, uh, looking forward to watching it. Uh, as always, we give the coach, guest, whoever it is, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Well, again, keep supporting D three hoops because uh, y'all do a fantastic job, and and it's you know the reach of it has gone national. So uh, I want to give you guys props for that, and keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Bill. Appreciate the time. Right. We'll get you on sometime in the future. Uh, enjoy the games. Uh, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you soon. 
Anytime. Thanks, Dave. All right. Bill Raleigh joining us. Shriner Athletics Director, former head coach at Southwestern. Elsewhere, he, he ran his resume. Uh, again, uh, went a little long there because I, I, I could talk to Bill forever. I always have great conversations with him, even at the championship weekend, over a beer or two. We'll take a break. When we come back, still ahead, as we try and keep from going too far into overtime tonight, we got to talk to George Barber about his insane Greenville squad and then Ryan um, uh, <laughs> Ryan Scott, my partner, or my colleague, will join us, and we'll do a top 25 double tick. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Uh, we'll be back with more uh, Hoopsville when, when, when we return. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today.
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Running a little bit behind, so we'll try and pick up the pace here a little bit with the intro, at least. Greenville men's basketball is 10-4, and four, lost the first three games of the season. Dolores, Dubuque, and Hope, not too bad. Got their first win against North Park, and they have rolled since, with their only loss, ironically, to Redlands. Uh, in a game that was held out in Nebraska. Um, they are rolling through the conference right now, and that's 7-0 and in the conference, and they haven't scored less than 102 points in a game. <laughs> uh, their opponents haven't scored less than 99 points in a game. That's happened twice. George Barber has taken the system and clearly adapted his team and program to it quickly to the point that we had to talk to him about this because it's insane. Uh, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned head coach of the Panthers, uh, Dr. Bar- Dr. Barber. Welcome to the program, yes, sir. Yes, thank you, Dave. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was, fu- it was funny you mentioned uh, that that uh, we averaged, uh, or, or whenever we scored 102, but the teams are averaging 99 against us or something like that. <laughs> I told the teams the, uh, the other day, I said, you know, guys, look, if you score 150, all you got to do is hold until 149. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, play a, a modicum good. of yeah. defense if you don't mind. Modicum, right? Yeah, just all you got to do is you know, as long as they don't have more than one forty nine, if you have one fifty, you're good. So <laughs> that, is, like that. that is pretty darn awesome. Um, <laughs> listen, the system isn't just technically defense. Yes, we know that. Right. If you know the system, you're playing full court defense. You're trying to force them into turnovers immediately. Get baskets if you can. Once they hit midcourt, it's like Olay defense. Please get the ball in the hoop for us to get the ball back. That's my version of describing okay. the system. Is okay. that how you okay. guys are running it? Well, that's certainly fair enough, and it's hard. You can't educate everybody. I, I mean, you know, I'll cite uh, that we lead the nation in steals. I will cite that we lead the nation in turnovers forced. Um, you know, things like that. So, I mean. It is a different version of defense, and 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 it's hard to it's hard to it's it's hard to educate everyone on it. But um, if we if we you know tr- true, we will press you the whole time. True, as soon as you get the ball, we want the ball back. So we're going to try to get it back. And uh, true, we're going to try to force you into a quick shot. However, and, and I w- I will say this, Dave Arsenault, he he has just been so great to me. Um, when we decided to make this move and was was gracious, was all access, uh, has always been like that. If I text him, he'll he'll he's on the phone in two minutes. So he's fantastic. Uh, but I do say to anyone you know that will listen or anyone around our program, including my assistants, we don't use the word Grinnell because that's not you know that's not who we are. We do it a little sure. bit differently. We we do it a little bit differently, and so. Um, I think, I mean, I've had teams say to us when they get to the back end of our press, they're surprised at how, at, at how much we do defend, even okay. on the back end. Yeah, and so, and so you know, and it's a matter, it, we're, uh, yes, we would want you to make a layup in the first 12 seconds and hold the ball for 30 seconds and then make a three. So no question about that. We'd rather take the first one, but we'd rather you miss that layup. You know, I mean, that's what that's a, that's the deal. So once we once we press you, and if you um, you know get get 
get biased and you see an open who, like it's like candy. You know, who's who's not going to take that? <laughs> who's not going to go for it? And we're going to chase you down or we're going to stun at you and recover. We have a cardinal drill. Gary Smith came up with it, Doug, uh, Doug Porter. So we work on this, you know, most days in practice. And, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> if you get it across half, you do have a lot better chance of making it to, you know, to the hoop with a clear path than, than to getting it to half court. So. Well, and, and I made sure not to use the word Grinnell either because I understand. You're, you're, you're the man. You're, you're great. You're right. <laughs> well, yeah. I understand it's not the – because to be honest with you, they technically got it from Redlands, I think, if, if I, I remember the evolution. But really everybody got it from Loyola Marymount, and others would That's argue it. there's others – out there who have had some version of it, and I don't listen to those versions, but, you know, this has evolved over time, and everybody I've seen run a system has a quirk to it that's their own, whether it's the one we've all gotten used to at Grinnell. Redlands was different than Grinnell's was. Clearly yours is different. I watched Westfield State women play it, um, and I would argue I didn't get the chance to see them play it at their normal use because they were missing right. three players, which which certainly okay. affected things. But I've seen sure. other, you know, we've seen North Central women use it in the past, but it's a different variety. So I'm all used to the fact that it's like, hey, I've got a motion offense, but my motion offense is different than your motion offense. Right. right. Um, so what what is it though offensively? Because yeah. you guys are on the verge. If you keep this up, you're going to break the Redlands record well, in terms of I scoring this year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. That's fine if we do. And well, yeah, I'm not I saying owe, that's a I goal. A great deal of, right, I owe, I owe a great deal of gratitude also to Gary Smith, and, and we did put in Gary's defense. So I okay. called Gary on the okay. phone, I may have told you this before, yes. and I said, I read the book, you know, and I said, i got to talk to Gary, i got to talk to Arsenal, Dave, i got to talk to Porter. And I went to see all these people and uh, had phone conversations with them ad nauseum, wrote my athletic director a letter, read it to him, said, here's what we're going to do, please don't fire me. And, you know, and, and when we were not not doing well. In By the way, it also means said, 10 more players in here. Okay, go ahead. Right, right. And he, and he said, he said, you know, don't give up on it when it's not going well in January. But anyways, I, I, and I said, where's Westhead? Where's Westhead? I got to talk to Westhead. Yeah. And he said, they said, you can't find him. He's out on some island off the, off the coast of Washington. You're not State. the only one. Yeah, I know. So, so really, literally, I have not been able to really find him. But I called Gary. I said, Gary, will you come help me put the defense in? He did. And I mean, he was in his 70s and he's coming out. I took him fishing. He's a great guy. I took him square dancing with wow. the with the women's team. <laughs> but but he, he's out there. He's out there. He, he calls it, he calls, uh, he, you know, he's moving his feet. He's down in a stance. Uh, quiver. He says, quiver your feet. Quiver your feet. Keep your feet moving. So we put his defense in. But then we're at lunch later that day and he says, uh, hey, um, I don't know about your offense. I think it's not structured enough. Uh, I think you need a little more structure to it. I had some really athletic kids. And um, so I said, well, let's see what we go play the prison tonight. We have a local federal prison here. And we, you know, fingerprint the whole thing. We, oh, yeah. And we get them in. It's a scrimmage game. It's always. Oh, I would hope it's them. a scrimmage game. Yeah. Well, they, but it's always a home game. People say, are they coming here? You go and I said, no, it's always no, a home no, game. No, no, no. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. So, but anyways, we get in, you know, boom, boom, boom. The doors close. We're in, and there's like 500 people there. I mean, seriously, they, they love when a guest team comes in. So we're playing them. Oh, yeah. We, we, we scored 91 points in the first half. This is my first scrimmage doing the system. And Gary was sitting right beside me in the prison, Gary Smith, and he says, 
he says, you're fine. You're going to be fine. Your offense is fine. So, so we, I had already been good friends with Rick Torbett, who does the Read and React. Mm-hmm. And he has, a, he has a dribbling version, and he has a passing version. Right. And we, we do the dribbling version. We run all kinds of stuff like that. We, all, we, we watch NBA games, and we have some sets that they have. And in the end of the game, if we're ahead, like in the last two minutes, We'll go to the passing version of the read and react, but that's all. That's all we do. We just we just do the read and react reads, and okay. and that's and that's and that's how we that's how we run our offense. But so. but by the way, I'm amazed you got out of that prison alive, only because you sprung the system on them. I get that they want well, games it, and all, but if I had lost 91 huge. points in the first half, I I would have been looking for a shiv to take you out with. These, these are men and. and and I'm, all, the, and all the fans are for us, so they're for us. They're not for them. <laughs> and they can keep up with us for about a half, but then they, you know, they'd run out of steam. Yeah, that's what so. I'm saying. They probably hated yeah. you. Um, well, we reset the score. So at first, they're probably thinking, oh, this is awesome. And then about halfway through the game, right. one, this is insane. No, that's insane, right. Um, my question, though, is the one thing I've noticed from programs, and you hinted at it with your AD, and you told us this when you first went to it, how your right. AD's like, okay, but stick with it. And I, I love that. Right. That advice to you, because it's an AD who understands he's going to trust his coach, but he's also going to maybe have to keep his coach with his foot on the floor because he knows how coaches are going to think. Oh, this isn't working. I'm going to go. This is going to go sideways. I'm going to lose my job, blah, blah, blah. But you have also transitioned so well with this. I had. Yeah. I don't know the last time, and maybe it's because we don't see it often, but a lot of teams, oh, hey, they're running the system, and it's a flash in the pan, or after a couple right. of years they realize this this, this ain't working. You guys right. are the opposite. You're doing so yeah. well. Again, yeah. you could break the scoring record. Oh, How right. did you okay, transition so, so fast? Well, two, two things, two things. First of all, it's what you said in the beginning. You saw a team do the system. They were missing three gals. You know, so you didn't get to see the full thing. That's, right. that's one thing. So one thing, if you don't have um, some good players, some good players, you know, it's not a magic pill. It's not going to no. overcome not having some good talent on the floor. So that's number one. Second thing is, you ha- you have to have this gene, and I don't know who I don't know who does and who doesn't have it. I guess I must have it. That Dave Arsenal, when I first met him, and we're talking George senior, we should point out senior, right. senior. Arsenal Junior, Junior's great, still coaching. Great guy, super, super guy. Yeah, also a good friend. Senior says you should have been at the game last week, George. We were up twenty-eight and lost in spectacular fashion. And can you imagine being the other team and being able to come back and win that game and highlight their career? So I said, okay, I get it now. This guy is, you know, like kind of crazy a little bit. You know, I mean, he he's willing to say. And so if you're not willing to say. We were up twenty-eight and lost in spectacular fashion. You, you, it's going to be difficult for you to run this if it's only about winning and losing. So for me, it was about participation. I okay. had so many kids in my program D three. They wanted to have varsity JV. I wanted to minister to them. I wanted to be able to connect with them. Right. I wanted them to know they could be in the game when the game is on the line, even if it's for a shift or two. Sure. You know, and, and if you earn it in practice, you're going to get in the game. Now, we may, we may only get a shift in the first half, a shift in the second. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Gary because I'm looking at Gary. He's in my office. He flew out from California. And I said, Gary, when do you – like, when's enough? Like, how much is enough? 
when you're up so many points and how so many minutes, and he just looked at me, he said, mm, no. I said, what do you mean, no? Well, I mean, we're trying to win the game. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're trying to win the game, yeah. but you're trying to get these these numbers, you know, 100 shots, 53s. And then in the end, the last two minutes or whatever, then you can go to more traditional basketball and, um, you know, surely you try to win the game. So I just thought, okay, that's really interesting. And so, so here's, here's when it clicked, or here's when it changed for us. We were 2-12, we were and, and it was hard, and the guys were losing. And I looked at the team we're playing, and I'm going, they cannot shoot. I turned to my assistant. I said, if we just went zone, we win this game. And he said, Coach, you're so invested. He said, I wouldn't do it. St. Stephen Grove, super system. And I said, um, you're right, you're right, you're right. So we lost. And it was mid-January, and the voice of my athletic director came in my mind, don't give up on this in January when it's not going well. So I had a player say, Coach, put us in, put us in, put us down 20. We're always down 20. Oh. Put us in practice down 20. Give us, oh. you know, and I said, that's what we'll do. We're going to be down 20, 10 minutes to go. You're going to run a suicide for every point you lose by. Oh, to the wow. control team. So the first time they lost, lost by 13. 10 minutes, 10 minutes scrimmage, down 20, lost by 13. So we run 13 suicides in January. Oh, like, you geez. don't do that. No. And so the players were, you know, I was painful for me. It was painful sure. for everyone. But we did it. Well, the next time we scrimmage, you know, we lose by like maybe seven because they go, well, we only have a minute and a half left in the scrimmage. We're down 10. If we can get another bucket, if we can get two more buckets, right. if we can maybe hold them, then we only have, you know, seven sprints, five sprints. And pretty soon they started going, ah, I see so how fast we have to play. We got to play wow. like we're going 1,000 miles an hour with our hair on fire. But we're control. We're going to go in for a minute. Yeah, in control. But we're going to go in for a minute, and then we're going to come out. And if we make a mistake, it's fine because we're going to go right back in, you know. And, right. and that's kind of how it, it began to evolve. And from that point on in the season, that first year, we went 12-2, and two, yeah. completely reversed it, and won our conference regular season uh, tied, yep. but won, you know, won, and then, and then we've, we've won it every year since then. So, again, it's not a magic pill, it's, but it is um, learning to play by trying to get, but you're, you're really working on the goals that you have, 100 shots, 53s, that right. kind of stuff. And you got to have that. You, your coach has to have a little bit of that wild, <laughs> crazy right side gene, of him. <laughs> yeah, a little cre- crazy side, you know. And I said to Dave Arsenault, senior, I said, Dave, tell me, what in the world? And he said, George, I've just never really cared if they didn't want me. They just tell me they didn't want me. And then I go, and I go, okay. So if you're willing to work under that deal, yeah. and your and your purpose is participation, you know, or whatever it is, fun. You know, because it's fun. To, I'll tell you, Dave, nobody, no, everybody enjoys this. There's only two groups of people that don't enjoy this. Do you want to guess which two groups they are? The officials and the opponents. Well, the officials, no, the opponent players love it. The opposing opponent coaches. coaches. <laughs> That's the only one. Because it's like, it's like my buddies, they say, you know, I say, well, uh, we were practicing for you, George, and we turned the music on super loud, and I had a control team, and I said, completely stop the you know, completely hold the ball for 30 seconds, whatever. And he said, within five minutes, it all looks the same. The kids just have energy. They want to play up-tempo. 
You know, and even the officials now are kind of appreciating it. They're beginning to say, well, this is what we're going to get when we get Greenville. So, you know, no. let's, we're going to get a good workout. How many years? I don't really. How many what? years have you been running this now? I can't. This is our fourth. Your it's fourth, our fourth season. Um, question, because obviously now this, this senior class is the, the ones who, who are there in the freshman year. They're the first full group. Real right. quick, how, how do you recruit now? And I don't mean the sense of who you're looking for. I mean, what do you say to the right. players to say, hey, here's what we do? And, and honestly, do you have some recruits that go, yeah, nope? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And, 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 it's, and it's fine because it weeds it out because it says, sure. it says to me, you know, I'm not willing to be a part of a team where I have to cut my minutes in half. And I say, no, no problem. But here's the deal. I had a kid the other night score 36. A teammate on his same shift scored 28. Could have had more. I said, no, nah, we're up by, you know, right. 40. So, so we, please. Yeah, you know, how would you like to score 110 and lose by 40? But I said, I said, you know, just hold the ball. It would be, you know, we're not even trying to get a shot off. And then I realized, oh, he had 28. It would have been fun for him to have two guys in the same shift have 30. And they're playing 20 minutes or less per game. So, you know, if if you want to, you know, just like my kid who said, I don't know if I can do this, once he led the nation in threes and led the nation in three-point attempts and three-point makes up until the last week, he, then he's saying, I love this. Yeah, you sure. know, I love it. Because, yeah, uh, 150, there's a lot of points to go around. I'll say this much. Um, what you just said about holding the ball and not really realizing a guy could hit 30. For people right. who know me well, and know this program well. I applaud you for that. Uh, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I don't yeah. need to dive any further. Well, and, I, and I said, and I said, and I said to the young man, I said, I didn't really realize it, but I will tell you what: I will forever be, um, you know, appreciative of sure. you listening to me, yeah. and you know, sort of obey. I mean, obey is kind no. of a weird word. That's like a parent. But respect word. your decision. Yeah, respecting and and you know and and and, and holding the ball for the last thirty seconds and. And I said, so that just shows me you have character, yeah. and character is something you can't replace. And you, you know, and and I really appreciate that. You're, so yeah, yeah, I hear you. There's 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 bigger reasons, but you've hinted at why I I really appreciate yeah. that moment even more, right. um, especially Good. a program that that runs what you run. Obviously, right. you said the conference has obviously adjusted to it to some degree, but you're now winning this conference. It's something mm-hmm. other schools can't necessarily say they've been able to do. With this type of mentality, um, what has been the reaction around the Slack? Have they have they finally realized <laughs> we ain't we ain't getting rid of this thing. He ain't going anywhere. Uh, and and you nearly knocked off Augustana last year. My point being, can can you take that next evolutionary step? Uh, that's what we say. I you know my I'm saying this to my assistants. I mean, can Tiny Greenville, who has the lowest budget even in our conference, we we were you know this e. D A D report is equity yeah. athletics thing. E A D A whatever report came out, and Dave, out of 424 schools reporting, we were in the bottom one percent of mm. operational budget. But we were there was only five schools lower than us, and we were in the top five percent, no top one percent. Only one, only five schools larger than us in roster size. So we had the largest <laughs> roster. And the smallest operating budget. So I, I mentioned this to the faculty, the faculty meeting, and the vice president stands up and claps. I said, I know, you're happy. But my yeah, no, thin, you're missing the point, know. sir. Yeah, yeah, I know. But he, he, was, he was good. He said, he, first of all, he said, I don't believe it. And then I showed him across, you know, on the, on the spreadsheet, and he said, wow. And he kind of sat back in his chair, and he said, well, thank you. And I said, you're welcome. That's all I want you to say. But, 
can we take a next step? I would certainly like to think so. It's going to have to happen in the area of recruiting. But our conference has had good teams. I mean, Webster's been yeah, very good true. for a long time, West Men. So we're fortunate to, to be up there competing with those teams. And um, I would, and everybody is getting used to it. Here's the thing. They knew me for 17, 16 years before I did the system. So I always know your favorite soda when you come to my gym. I'm going to greet you during the women's game, which happens before our game, with a soda. We're going to sit down and talk for 10 minutes. And, you know, so that, that didn't change. Now, yes, the first year. They didn't want the soda a for a while. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. But as long as I kept coming with the soda and said, come on, man, here's, you know, we're all doing the same thing during the week. We're practicing with our kids. And, and they started saying, yeah, George is George. And he's. <laughs> He just runs a different style, and it seems to be working for him. So, you know, it, it, I think that helped already having previous relationships. But when you come from a middle-of-the-pack team and you go to the top, it, it, it is frustrating. It does ruffle some feathers. And, and then what happens? It's like taxes. Everybody kind of gets used to it. And then you just <laughs> <laughs> you start appreciating, appreciating the education and infrastructure, oh. and you go, well, just don't raise them again, you know, but, you know, it may I, happen. I could talk to you forever just to feed you more questions to get what kind of responses from you. I, I, I love the, like taxes, we just get used to it. You're outstanding, yeah. sir. Yeah. Oh, so I love but having you on the show. Yeah. Um, I That's would great. keep talking to you, but I got to get going. I, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, the insight yeah, let, of let what you guys do. Thank you for D3 Hoops, for Hoopsville articles, rankings, blogs. I mean, you you pay attention to us, and it is fun, and I know it's hard work, and it's appreciated, and it's validating. It's a great level to be at. Sometimes we drive our own bus. Sometimes we mow our own yard. Sometimes we do our own laundry. But it's the purest level for college basketball and sports. And yeah, just thank you for what you do. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate Absolutely. the kind words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's how you want to end it, but we always give the coach the final word. Sure. Any That's final thoughts? That's what I wanted to say. All That's right. That's what I wanted to say. Well, thank thanks. you for what you do, man. Well, thank you. Hey, uh, you I'm sorry you lost your election primary when we last saw you. Um, but <laughs> no problem. I have a feeling you've still got good things ahead of you. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. We're, I mean, I was kind of relieved. Now I can coach for four more years, and if the seat opens, there I thought I'd, there's, a, there's a river that goes through a whole district. I thought I'd paddle that river and meet people like that this summer, and uh, maybe that'll get me in a good spot for the next time I run. <laughs> well, uh, let us know if you do. In the meantime, your team's doing a lot of running, and it's impressive. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to talking right. to you down the road. All right. Sounds great. He is Doc- Absolutely. Dr. Bye. George Barber joining us here. Uh, Greenville's 10-4. and four. They're 10-1 and one in their last 11. Um, I, I didn't even want to dive into the individuals because – just hearing about all that is so much fun. Uh, we're heading into overtime, which is ironic for me this week. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. we got to talk to Ryan Scott. We'll try and do that quick and then get this show buttoned up in successive order. But we're going to do our top 25 double take when we come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We will be back with more Hoops when we return. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. 
And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely... Had a For whatever reason, that ad just likes to keep running. We'll have to do some fixes in the future. You're listening to Hoops Up, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios, heading into overtime here for only the second time this season, which I'm proud about. But it's ironic this weekend. I told you at the beginning of the show how I went to a high school event down in Washington, D.C., who, by the way, I'm seeing now is closing in on a foot of snow from Mother Nature. That was not predicted. Uh, we're not going to get a foot up here, but it's it's a good sign for, for me as a winter lover. Anyway, um, I took over one game just as it was entering the second quarter and broadcast two more after that. First game, eight-point lead going into the final quarter. looked like it was going to be an easy win for the one team. Uh, they gave up by only hitting um, one field goal in the last quarter. They went to double overtime. Next game, team blew a 16-point lead going into the final 10 minutes of the game. That one went double overtime. Last game I told you about was a 25-point game. That one got blown, and they nearly went to overtime. So the fact that Hoopsville's in overtime – Probably shouldn't surprise anybody at this point in time. Uh, we talked about men's basketball. Let's talk about women's really quick in the top 25. Mary Harden Baylor, we mentioned, lost to Thomas Moore. Uh, got their revenge against Harden, Simmons, and McMurray as a result of that. George Fox lost to Whitman over the weekend. We Whitman had a good week. 
uh, defeating Whitworth and George Fox this week. East Texas Baptist, we mentioned, lost to Texas Dallas, then lost uh, beat Centenary. Geneseo, we mentioned, lost to New Paltz. Wartburg lost to Luther. We mentioned that on Thursday's show. We mentioned Guilford playing really well, talking to a friend of mine, former coach who really is into Division Three women's basketball. He's really impressed with Guilford right now and thinks the ODAC race is worth tuning into. Middlebury lost twice, not only to Westfield State, which scratched my head, but unfortunately that means they had to take on Tufts. Um, good luck. They lost to Tufts. Austin, Eau Claire, Baldwin-Wallace, Randolph-Macon, who's playing without their top player, Bethel, Emory, Augsburg, Millsaps, and Oyanta all lost this week, some of them to higher-ranked teams. So there you go. Wrap that up. Let's uh, dive into that six ways of Sunday. We'll see what the top 25 comes out tomorrow. With that in mind, we now go to our favorite friend of the show who has to follow George Barber, and good luck to you, sir. Ryan Scott joins us for the top 25 uh, double take. You and I love talking to George Barber. He once again did not, di- uh, did not disappoint. No, George is wonderful. He's the best interview in Division Three. I just tweeted that out. He's so fun to talk to, and he's so generous. The thing is, you could call him on the phone tomorrow, whoever you are listening, and he'll talk to you for an hour about basketball. Yep. I have just gotten a friendly, personable guy. Yeah, I've gotten very little done in Salem setting up when George is anywhere near me. Not because I reach out to George, because George strolls over to me, and while he understands I'm, I might listen while working, I still don't get very much done listening to him. It's so much fun. Uh, great to have George on the show. Uh, first and foremost, top 25-wise, Hamilton losing. I'm not surprised they finally lost. Um, you and I have been talking about that. They've been on the doorstep of doing that. Uh, at least they, I think a message got sent because they then smoked Connecticut <laughs> College 91-46 in the next Yeah, just game. a little bit. <laughs> Uh, Whitworth lost. Okay, one of the wits had to lose. They at least, you and I watched both these sets of games, and I know Daryl's probably tuned in. You and I watched both sets of games that Whitworth and Whitman played this weekend. I don't know. We never said it, but I have a feeling you and I were both looking for the same thing. Were they going to get trapped by either Linfield or George Fox after a very emotional game early in the week? Yeah, I mean, the legs really is the big thing that to too. me. That's three games in a week where you got to run a lot. They were traveling down. Oregon for that game um it felt like the legs got him a little bit by the third game but they're playing two best opponents I talked to Matt Logie earlier in the week that actually Wednesday after the Whitman game for the the article we put up this week and he right. said this is the toughest week of their season because yeah. they have the three games and it's their three best opponents so well um, add in I that Whitman them, I moved them up in the poll despite a loss this week because I was so impressed by how yeah, no, I'm with you and 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 Whitman by the way had to do it all on the road um yeah. both of them had uh tough hauls I was really impressed as well MIT we talked about the injury there um I they're not talking much obviously they're not going to talk much but I feel bad for MIT it feels like every time they have a good squad somehow injuries derail everything Yeah, I mean, they seem like they have a lot of injuries there, but at the same time, I mean, the loss this week was bad, but they're short three starters, um, and they've been down one the whole year, and uh, they've still been destroying teams in large part. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, they may have to adjust a little bit with different guys coming in and out, but they're a deeper team than they've been the last few years, and I wouldn't write them off just yet and see Hmm. what they come up with. Yeah, good point. I, I shouldn't really count them out necessarily and say they derailed just yet. Um, Stevens Point lost to Oshkosh. No surprise there because it was a top-ten battle. 
Uh, somebody was going to have to lose that. Marietta losing a capital. We talked about that on Thursday's show, and then they barely got past Ohio Northern, needed overtime there. Is this that lull that I hinted at on Hoopsville back in December that Marietta always seems to go through once everybody starts buying in? Well, um, I don't know that that's really been the case. I feel like they come out strong and we sort of maybe have too high an opinion of them sometimes. But Fair. I, I feel like somebody sent me their record in January over the last five years and it was something like 80 and two or something like that. So uh, maybe, I, some, I maybe it's like more December always, losses I'm thinking about. Yeah. And they haven't always, you know, met expectations in March either. So that, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a real criticism, but True. I think capital's just very good. I watched maybe 10 minutes of that second half of that game and it didn't seem like Marietta was given a, a bit. And I figured in that environment, capital hasn't kind of been on that stage ever for these guys career. Um, you know, with the noise and the DJ and the crowd and all that kind of stuff, but they, <laughs> they, uh, they held up and they won that game, and and I was really impressed. I think it says a lot more for Capital than it does against Marietta. Um, Rochester had a rough weekend, losing both, but also having to deal with travel. Though I thought Chicago showed a lot this weekend. Yeah, Chicago looked great. I, I got to catch some of the game today, and I watched uh, the end of of the Rochester game and they're looking good i mean we knew they had talent and i think they're the most experienced team in the uaa this year i believe you're right and they've got all the players uh and this is a you know that league is ripe for the taking this year and they've got a good head start now yeah i was yeah exactly they've they, they've taken the top three teams beside themselves in the opening three games and gotten wins out of them they're 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 in the catbird seat to some degree wittenberg lost both games you, I know, haven't been sold on Wittenberg. Um, I, you, that isn't an answer to a later question. Do you want me to skip and move on? Because if I do, I'll skip and move on. Yeah, why don't we do All that? All right, I'll skip and move on. Whitewater um, lost to lacrosse. We mentioned that in Salisbury, lost to Mary Washington, and then barely beat Southern Virginia. I feel like they, well, we'll get back to them at another time. Okay. <laughs> in other words, it's another week in the top 25 in men's basketball. There's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. Yeah, I, I'll just chime in because we skipped over it real quick. The Oshkosh performance against Stevens Point was super right. impressive to me. Um, Stevens Point has been really good all year. I had them in the top five coming into that game. Um, and I don't think that they dropped anything. I think Stevens Point played as well as they have been all year. And Oshkosh just beat them, um, mm. which is what we saw from Oshkosh last year, obviously, making it to the, the championship game. But we hadn't seen, I hadn't seen yet this year from them. And it felt like they really stepped up to what we expected from them. So I think that's going to be just even even crazier WIAC race the rest of the way because there's five or six really good teams in that conference. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, WIAC race is going to be a nightmare. Um, <laughs> on what we normally do, and we've waited until about this time of year to do it because we kind of wanted things to settle down, isn't really the right term, but... At least get some more data, as it were. We usually have a dubious, a dark horse, and a debatable team. Um, and usually we converse a little bit more. We haven't today, uh, though we never really give each other uh, answers to to most of these. Uh, where do you want to start? Which of those Ds do you want to start with? Well, we kind of hinted at it. We might as well start with that dubious. All right. Uh, Who's your dubious squad, sir? <laughs> it's not even so much a knock on them. It's just I feel like Wittenberg's been ranked too high for a while now. Um I had them sort of in the 20s last week, and obviously this week I'm going to drop them out with the losses. Um, the talent is there, and they, they're good. They're a good team. I don't want this to feel like 
we're we're ragging on them. I just feel like they've been a little bit higher than they probably should have been. Um, you know, it's a different team from last year. They got to play a different way, and and they're in a really tough conference. And uh, I think maybe we've expected just a little bit too much out of them. I saw them last year with all the young guys and said, you know, that's going to be my 2019-2020 preseason pick. Um, and this might be a year <laughs> early. So uh, I figured when this this class at sophomores next year, you know, might be might be where the expectations are. It might just be a little early for them. My dubious team is Whitewater. Um, and maybe I'm being unfair here, but I haven't voted for him. Uh, I don't think I've voted for him all season. Uh, I need to do what Ira Thor does and put it on a spreadsheet. It'd be easier for me to find. But they're 14th ranked in the country at 12-3. and three. They lost to lacrosse 75-60. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but nothing about them to me jumps out. Uh, it's not like they've uh, – granted, I, I'll admit – it's that they haven't had a horrible season, and I'm maybe splitting some hairs here at 12 and three, but I don't. I, I'm at 12 and three, and I'm not even voting for them. Granted, three of their last four games have been losses, and so I wasn't voting for them when they were undefeated either. Um, Anderson, yes, they got the win over St. John's, Concordia, Monmouth, Beloit, Calvin, who they barely got past, needed overtime to get past Al- Alma, Ripon. Loris, they at least got past Loris, which made me knock Loris down, and then Ross State, Concordia, Texas. There isn't a lot of teams on that that tells you anything. Uh, it's yeah. not a very strong schedule. It's it's Whitewater. I mean, this is the last three or four years. They've just been so inconsistent. You can see yes. the talent out there, and they'll get some big wins, and then they'll just have some head scratchers for a while. And I thought they started the season really well. And I had been voting for them, not quite as high as 14 where the poll has them. But, um, you know, I, I, it's not a terrible dubious pick because you just it, it is a head scratcher a lot of times. You just don't know which team's going to take the floor and, and, and what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, you talk about inconsistency. 2014-15, they were 24-4. and four. That, that might have been a kind of a, an important year for them uh, to some <laughs> degree. Uh, you know. You know, kind of played well. Got into the NCAA tournament, but lost in the first round against uh, Defiance. Since then, 16 and 10, 22 and 7, 16 and 10. All, all over the map. Um, and I know they rely on, on transfers to some degree, especially late, but I, I, they're now out to a 1 and 3 start in the conference. And I'm, I feel better about the fact I'm not voting for them. I just don't understand what I was missing that everybody else was either seeing or maybe I got lucky. Uh, I'll freely admit I could have gotten lucky. Um, but they're my dubious pick. By the way, I do have a secondary dubious, a B, <laughs> if it were, and I bet I'm the only one you would have to, Salisbury. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't get myself to vote for him. Well, you looked down towards the end of your ballot this week. And I'm you, sorry, I had him 22nd. <laughs> you you looked down towards the end of your ballot this week, and you start to to wonder who you really have confidence to put in there. I got a lot of teams I'm voting for at the bottom there that I would rather not. I do not um, disagree with you any way, shape, or form. And and I now realize seeing Salisbury 22 on my last ballot, I do remember having that thought, like, geez. But they only had, what, at the time, one loss? And I, I felt to myself, oh, I can't keep ignoring this. Granted, I ignored it with Whitewater, but they had also lost a couple. I, I just, is- I feel like... I don't feel like there's any. Are they really riding the wave of Andy being fired? Andy Sachs being fired to this point in the season, or is are we finally seeing that wave is gone 
that the emotions of that have subsided, and that's why they're struggling. Because there's nothing about them that tells me they're a great team. No, I, I mean, they're playing at the top of their ceiling, and they have been all year. And I was dubious up until the holiday break when they go and, and trash Springfield and beat Nichols. I know, I that's what kind of... Yeah, they're okay. And then this week was a bad week. And, you know, I don't I try not to judge any team over one single week. Um, We'll see what they can do. Those were both road games that are a a long drive. So, yeah, true. Yeah, especially Southern Virginia. That's a fair point. I do think the wave is, you know, there's a little bit of of, you know, October trauma that they went through. But I do think some of it is that that the. coach they've got now brian is is letting them run a little bit more and you know everybody wants to run and so i think there's some semblance of of joy that comes out of that and you're a little bit pumped up and so we'll see as we get into january february and things get hard and you get tired and whether that can continue but it's been a great story yeah true i'll give you that but but andy i guess (laughs) fair uh dark horse sir uh, Dark Horse. So I try to reach down to teams that aren't getting any votes at all. Uh, uh, and I kind of have two to bring up. Uh, Rowan is one. We haven't talked about them a ton, but we have mentioned them. And, um, you know, in the past they've had trouble in the post. They haven't had a lot of big guys. They still don't. But, uh, you know, the, the brothers who are, are leading the way, the DePersias are seniors this year, playing really great. Uh, I think right now the best team in the NJAC um, the other one we saw this week, George Fox, maybe. Um, I thought that they put on an impressive show against Whitworth and Whitman. They lost both those games, but played much better than than I expected them to. And they might be the third best team out there. Who was your first one? Rowan. Rowan, yeah, yeah, you stole mine. Uh, <laughs> I I had them as mine. I almost voted for him last week. I, I wanted to wait a little bit longer uh, to, to to see what they would put together. Um, I was going to go with Mary Harden Baylor, who then proceeded to lose three of their last four. So yeah. they removed themselves from my list. Um, and, and Bill Raleigh, just on the show earlier, talking about how, how great he thinks they are. Um, I, I, I had a couple of choices. My problem was a couple of them were getting votes. Arcadia at 13-5, and five, I yeah. thought certainly deserved a little bit of an attention. Occidental at 14-1, and one, even though I'm not buying in, I think maybe we need to talk about them, and, and maybe that's for a different segment. So... I decided to go a little bit in a different direction based on this weekend. And I'm jumping, maybe prematurely, on Chicago. Um, <laughs> lost Illinois Wesleyan out of the gate. Lost to Lake Forest and Albion and Milliken, which certainly will make you shake your head. But what I watched this weekend from the Maroons was some tremendously good basketball. Um, offensively, the, by the way, the shot on the baseline uh, against uh, Rochester on Friday was absolutely ridiculous. It did follow an illegal screen on an important three-pointer. But, but anyway, moving on. I, I, if I needed to pick one. someone, what would you say? He had some big shots today, too. Yeah, really that's true. On the so if I got to pick someone who's not getting any votes whatsoever that's impressed me, that maybe deserves a little bit of a look at least, it's Chicago. I, I might be premature here. They were at home. They got to hit the road and go to Brandeis, who's playing pretty well right now, and NYU this weekend. Then they're at home against Case Western and Carnegie. But they've got the three biggest um, challenges at home out of the way with wins, meaning they're playing with basically house money at this point. 
pretty impressed with Chicago. Yeah, I mean, maybe you got uh, a Thursday interview there that you can figure out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I already I, hinted to Mike. I might have to give him a call. <laughs> the, the one overwhelming impression I got looking at them today was, man, I would not want to play these guys in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Like, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it may be a team that's a little bit of a sleeper, but they're very good. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Um, and I realized that you know Emory could have been distracted with travel and all that, but they fought to the end. I, I was just amazed with what they did against Rod. And these teams know each other so darn well. That's the, that's yeah. the part that, that surprised And then late in the game, too, against uh, Rochester, it was the second-chance opportunities, the offensive rebounds that not only milked more clock but kept Rochester from getting looks. I really thought that was pretty impressive, and, and Mike McGrath's got to be thrilled with that kind of effort. Well, and that's been Rochester's strength this year. Rochester saved right. themselves from three losses by, by being the one to make the good decisions down the stretch. True. It's not that they didn't, but Chicago went toe-to-toe and beat them. Yeah, absolutely. A debatable team. This is usually a team that we debate our likes, and we didn't really kind of share who, who we wanted, but you usually tee one up that you know is going to get to me somehow, so I'm interested to see where you're going. All right, so the first choice was Whitewater. We talked about it a little bit. But my second <laughs> one, um, I want to know what, what we should do with Plattsburgh. Um, they just played okay. again this week, and they were off for almost a month. Yeah. The the metrics and everybody who runs the numbers has them very low ranked. They've had yeah. some sort of head-scratching results. They've been wins largely, but maybe games are a little closer than we expected them to be. What do you, what do you think about Plattsburgh? Yeah, I've been of the same ilk. Uh, they're 17th on my last ballot. I had them 16th, so I'm about where the poll has them. And honestly, I moved them. They came down. Uh, I would, I'd honestly like to have them lower. Uh, but as you start hinted at, sometimes who you're voting at the bottom, well, that's also because you've been raising teams up. Uh, we've talked in nauseam the last few years how there's a guy at 10 you'd rather have at 15 or 20. And with Plattsburgh, I've got them 16. I'd really rather have them at 20, 22. I know they've got some darn good talent or at least one in particular <laughs> and but the suniac doesn't impress me right now um their losses are to brockport and wesleyan the wesleyan is showing that inconsistency <laughs> certainly involved they're a good team the brockport loss is just a head scratcher uh i i don't i don't get that loss at all for plattsburgh and maybe that's where my concern with them is there's nothing about them, their schedule that, that tells me they're tested. Clarkson, Skidmore, Canton, Lawrence, um, Middlebury, and, and I think Middlebury's maybe not as greatly ranked as everybody thinks they are. Case Western Reserve. Now, they got a game against Oswego coming up. I'm going to have an eye on that one uh, as they are at Oswego and at Cortland. So this is an important weekend coming up. But I'm just in, – in last year, I got that they got to the second round, but – you know, is what because I've said it. They didn't get to the second round because they were tremendously awesome. I think they got to the second round because they put a couple games together. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I saw them the second weekend, and they were outclassed by you know Hamilton and Swarthmore. It wasn't that were close. Um, a lot of that was size. They've graduated a few guys. It's really one of those that I think is debatable because I think they could be better than what they've been showing, but yeah. we, we just don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Patron is good. He's very good. Uh, I just checked, double-checked his scoring. He's averaging 21.5 points a game, which is what he normally does. 
And he's got three guys in Johnson, Middleton, and DeAngelis that score in double figures. But I guess to me, I mean, they were average. There's nothing about them that tells that gives me any confidence that should we put them up against anybody in the top 25, they're going to control that game and win it. Yeah, I mean, maybe a, a little bit more of a reactive team. That could be true. Um, I, I think the other part of it and what, what you see, you know, maybe divide the top 15 teams from the next group is just the the ability to, to keep the ball, control the ball, avoid turnovers. Um, you know, a team like Plattsburgh is used to just kind of being able to overwhelm somebody. Uh, when you get to a certain level, you, you can't, you know, you can't expect your opponent to make mistakes Um you know, when you get to the second weekend of the tournament or something like that. But let's so. be honest, the Su- is the Suni- is Suniac <clears throat> is not as competitive, certainly at the top, as it has been in its history. <sighs> so what? Is, what? where are they getting challenged? Well, I think some of those games, you know, Skidmore's been pretty good this year. They played Middlebury when Middlebury was sort of at the top. Um, you know, going to somebody like, you know, Case isn't, you know, a top... 50 team but they're probably top 75 you know like i mean they've they've been doing what they can especially with the geography that they're stuck with up there well yeah i mean they're they're in a we're in a horrible location certainly um and the game against middlebury i thought would tell me more it told me less um i know they beat middlebury and i proceeded to move middlebury down my pole as a result of it and now they're out i think they're out of my ballot yeah they're out of my ballot Listen, I'm not trying to knock Plattsburgh. I, I think you, you said debate, so it brings up my concerns oh. about them. Um, I, I think, listen, Patron is a darn good talent, and, and I think they're in this position because of him. He it's certainly paper, has figured out how way. to pass the ball, which, I mean, he's always has, but I'm just saying um, yeah. he's passing it 35 times. He's second on the team in assists, though he's got half of the assists as Johnson. And we should point out, by the way, he's got a double-double. He's got 10.5 rebounds. He's certainly I, stepping up. But I he shouldn't be the guy getting the rebounds either. I think they're spreading the ball out a little more than they did last year, which might pay dividends at the end mm. of the year. Um, he's, he's probably going to have the issue of when, when to keep it and when to let it go, um, which, you know, you, that, that's a struggle for anybody who's, who's kind of ball-dependent and a good scorer. Um, I, I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just, I just feel like they're definitely a team that we, we don't, really have a good handle on yet 14.9 assists last year per game 14.7 this year so they're about the same and that's not a great example because ball movement before a shot isn't necessarily registered in that so i can't yeah again i like patron i think he's a great talent i think plattsburgh's a top 25 team i I just feel like they're not going to be as tested going into the tournament this year as they need to be well, and, you know, the home game on the 8th against Potsdam was a three-point win. Buffalo State, you know, uh, yeah. yesterday was a two-point win. Those are, you know, Buffalo's a pretty good team, but y- Not- you expect Plattsburgh to be better, especially at home. That's a great home court they've got there. Oh, absolutely. And, and they used that last year to their advantage. That's how they got to the second weekend, by beating yep. Nichols, which certainly surprised. Well, that was also a matchup we all hated. Uh, and then beat Union, who had pulled the upset. And then Swarthmore yep. said, thanks for coming to the tournament. Welcome to our hometown, and you're welcome to see the sights if you'd like. You don't need to play this game. 
I mean, it was... yeah, they and they, to their credit, they got smashed in the first half against Watford, who could not miss, and they didn't give up. Yeah. I mean, it was out of reach by that point for you know the the team they were playing and the talent they had. But uh, I, I thought they were pretty tough. The biggest thing for me was they graduated two or three pretty key guys, and how they were going to yeah. come back. I just don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm I'm voting them right around where they're being slotted, but I'm I'm not. I don't have a ton of confidence. It's a good debate. I could swing the other way after watching them against Oswego, though. Um, and not that Oswego is the next best team. I just I, that is a team I know knows. Excuse me, Plattsburgh really well and and, and is well coached, uh, despite the fact that they got out to a hot start and are continue. They lost two in a row, Emory and Denison, uh, at Emory, but have come back to beat New Paltz and Cortland in back to back games. So, you know, big game. And I'm, I'm going to try and read a little bit more into them there. Um, what was a quick note? Oh, by the way, I, I said at the beginning of the show or at some point in the show, Swarthmore, wow, they put a game together against McDaniel. And they could have beaten anybody. That wasn't because of McDaniel. They're, they're, they're a better team than I, than, I, than I thought they were this year. Yeah. Um, they, they had a, I mean, you think about Swarthmore. They've lost two games this year. Um, conference opponents, yeah, four points between the two games conference opponents the same week um and they're integrating a lot i mean they've got uh i think their biggest minute getter this year is a freshman so um you know they're they're still working into a different rotation than they had last year and still weak on the front line but it doesn't seem to be stopping them just yet yeah we'll see how it turns out i i tomorrow's vote's gonna be interesting or tonight for me i'll do the work tonight um by the way, how much snow did you end up up with? You still got more coming? Uh, they said it's supposed to keep snowing another three or four hours. We got like four inches over here, yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like I said, DCs are closing in on a foot, I heard. Um, yeah. Um, thoughts? Uh, what do you got ahead this week that you're looking at? Uh, what's your article this week, for that matter? We don't do enough to promote you. So um, we just put up uh, yesterday or Friday the big column on the yep. Northwest Conference. I talked to six coaches up there. Um, really exciting to, to highlight that and see what they're doing. And then, of course, yesterday, all the big games were really relatively low-scoring affairs. But yeah. um, this week, we have two uh, 30-something fathers of four who are playing <laughs> Division Three basketball. How about that? And I'm hoping to talk to both of those guys this week and uh, put a little piece together about... I mean, I'm 37 now, and I know what my body can't do. Uh, I can't even imagine playing a full college basketball schedule. I was in really darn good shape till my middle to late 20s. Then it came on off the rails recently with some health challenges. It is so beyond off the rails. It's not funny. I'm on a different track altogether. Um, so, yeah, for those guys, not only to be holding down jobs most likely, going to school with parents of four and four playing kids. ball at a high level, stop it. Yeah, I, I, I went to the doctor when I was 35, and I said, how can I get my knee stronger so I can go back and run again? And he just goes, you probably shouldn't run anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I got another idea for you. Just stop running. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> uh, I would love to get back into doing something a little bit more, uh, but the fact those guys are playing in full games, that's just outstanding. I look forward to that article. I know you've been uh, mulling on it for a few weeks. Uh, look forward to it. Any other any games you're looking forward to this week? Besides Williams Amherst, I'm taking that one away from you. I don't even know what the schedule is yet. I, you know, I get through a weekend and 
I try to get the ballot up, and it'll be tomorrow that I start looking at the, the yeah, schedule of the week to see what's happening. Um, I don't blame you, sir. I just figured <laughs> I'd throw it at you. Throw it at you. We had a good week this past week, full of great games. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that'll um, continue. All right, sir. Well, I'll let you go because we got to get going. We're wait. We're way late here. We should get going. I got a couple questions answered from the listeners, and then we'll let uh, let you go. But thanks for tuning in, and, and thanks for joining me. As I'd say, any final thoughts? But I, I think I may have tapped you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna say keep keep your eye on Yeshiva. I'm staying on the bandwagon. They've been looking good. They're off for almost a month here during January. Yeah, but, uh, I, I was talking to their head coach. It's it's how they come out of this month off that I always watch. Well, they got the ship righted after that that rough start, and they've really yep. been been crushing people the last six weeks or so. So uh, I, I'm still on the bandwagon, and I'll keep dropping the name. I don't blame you, sir. Go for it. I don't blame you a bit. If they fall below 500, though, I might pull your card. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I'm totally kidding. Take care, bud. Talk to you soon. All right. Ryan Scott joining us on the Skype hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. A question I got via Twitter asked me, um, do I see the Oglethorpe women making the top 25? Not right now, I don't. Uh, they lost to Mary Harden Baylor. Not bad. They beat Hope. Uh, they lost to Hope. They beat Calvin. Okay. The loss to Millsaps is going to keep voters, I think, from jumping on. Granted, their game against Center was wacky at 39-32 and defeated Swanee. I just, I think they got to get a few more games under their belts before they crack the top 25, especially the women's side. Women's side's harder to get in there, to say the least. Um, what was the other question I just saw? Da-da-da-da. Well, Daryl was asking tough games out of the mid uh, the uh, for Whitworth. Linfield woke up last night after one of their players got ejected for a flagrant two foul and pushed the Pirates to the end. Yeah, I was a little dif- disappointed in Linfield against Whitman. Uh, I thought Whitman uh, Linfield would give Whitman more of a game, and that ended up being absolutely false. Um, Northwest Conference is good, though. Uh, maybe we, maybe we bought a little too much stock in Linfield. I, I'll agree with Ryan. Really impressed with how George Fox played in that one double checking there wasn't some other questions uh i don't think there were i think we're pretty good mark says great show thank you mark appreciate you tuning in with that we're going to wrap things up want to thank all of our guests for coming on this show uh they of course include uh desales um morgan the senior guard for desales coming on the show appreciate her taking the time greenville's george barber uh shriners in the nabc corner uh shriners bill raleigh and, of course, uh, from Williams, Kevin App. I want to thank all the sports information directors who helped us uh, with those guests. As always, we appreciate their time. Um, uh, Dick and, and Chris there at, um, at, uh, w- at Williams. BJ at DeSales, of course. I want to thank BJ also at Greenville. Sorry, BJ, for not getting the logo up. We just, different computers, couldn't make that work like we had hold, hoped, and Devin Musa, who's acting SID at Shriner. We appreciate all their help as well. Appreciate you tuning in as well. And we'll be back on Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, in the meantime, Top 25 comes out tomorrow. I, pr- I didn't get my blog out this week. Hopefully I can get that out, uh, or last week. I'll hopefully get it out this week. Just so much going on. Last week was, I had, let's see, three, four, five, six. I think I had like eight basketball games last week. It was a bit of a blur. Uh, but I'll try and do better this week. Um, and uh, let's see. Thursday, we'll have the WBCA Center Court segment. Springfield's Naomi Graves. Graves. Graves will be on the show. Look forward to having her on. And I want to thank, of course, the NABC and WBCA for coming on board. Don't forget. Uh, oh, by the way, hint on Thursday, some more of our um, 
partners, advertisers will be joining the program. We look forward to that as well. Hey, show didn't crash, right? Uh, we put in a ticket, figured out some nuances to try and keep it from happening, though it's not a solved problem. We are going to knock on wood the rest of the way. Way too late this show went. We'll make some adjustments to keep this from happening in the future, but I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you'd like to use any of this broadcast, re-air it in any way, shape, or form, we appreciate it, but please contact us first as it is owned and Hoopsville is owned by DMAC Productions and myself. We just want to at least sign off that you are using it. And we'll see you back here on Thursday night. Enjoy some games, folks. It should be a great week of basketball. You've been watching Hoopsville. If you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. We'll see you back here on Thursday night.